Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock with me as we will go for the full three hours today, starting to preview the weekend ahead in both college and pro football. Thursday is mainly more of an NFL day for us, so we will talk a lot of NFL coming up in just a little bit we're also going to reveal this week's sports call player of the week in the program sometime in the four o'clock hour of course we want to hear from you on the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine we also have more recruiting to talk about because for whatever reason this week has been the busiest recruiting week probably since the season started there was a commitment for 2025, there was a decommitment for 2024, and now there is another big commitment for 2025 to tell you about. So we'll talk just a little bit, or in just a little bit about that. And uh, of course, there is a, a lot of good sports to talk about. Also, there are still important baseball playoffs going on. Of course, our interest level waned significantly based off of last week's results, but still, nevertheless, the CF series are well underway. And, uh, of course, we will, again, be talking a lot of NFL today on this Thursday. Again, TP will be joining us after class in just a few minutes. But it's myself and Brooks Childress here for the meantime. Brooks, how are you this afternoon? I am doing great. I uh, had a great time out at the high school coaches show last night. Got to talk to a lot of the area high school coaches as we continue to uh, roll toward the playoffs. Three Friday nights left um, in the regular season, and so and then, uh, a lot of a lot of teams around here are going to be in the, in the see themselves in the playoffs. So uh, we're very fortunate to be in a area of high school football here in the state that uh, is very rich in in a lot of good programs that are. That that you can you know, keep talking high school football uh, into the playoffs and and for some reason or for some uh, teams deep in the playoffs too, but um, it it's uh, it's great uh, you know if anybody out there listening to the show last night I want to remind folks that Lochapoca Maplesville is tonight down in Beulah uh, that's a big matchup uh, winner is the region champion the other one does get to host so they'll be uh, they'll they'll get a home playoff game but uh, Lochapoca Indians the local team here getting trying to uh, remain undefeated on the year and. Uh, they, they've got a big one against Maplesville tonight uh, down in Beulah. So uh, if anybody has some pl- doesn't have plans tonight and looking for something to do, there's there's something for you. But other than that, uh, great day. Yeah, a lot of recruiting news this week. And it's it's kind of weird that you get it right in the middle of the season uh, because, you know, a lot of guys have either made their commitments before the season started or they're waiting till after the season because they're they're in the middle of, you know, doing they're doing taking their visits during uh, on sat- fall Saturdays to all these different places. And – 
you know, they're they're practicing and playing football every single uh, day of the week with with high school stuff, and so it's a little bit weird to start getting to get a flurry of uh, stuff. You'll get one here or there, but it's it's weird to get this flurry of activity right in the middle of the season. But uh, it gives us something to talk about, which is always great. Uh, not that we need stuff to talk about in the middle of the football season, but. Um, yeah, it's it's great. We got some great college football last night. Uh, the, we got some great more uh, college football tonight, heading into a big weekend uh, of college football, NFL. We You, you talked about we'll, we'll hit, hit that big game this weekend uh, for your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, here in the locally. Uh, also of relevance tonight, the Thursday night game features an FC South team. Uh, we know there's some the Saints fans in the area, not as numerous as, as other places, but there's some Saints fans around here. So uh, it, it's a big weekend of football coming up. Can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to get to our callers as well. And uh, it's going to be a great show today, I feel like. Absolutely. And, of course, you get uh, even closer to the basketball season. Mm-hmm. Either next week or the week after, we'll be starting to deep dive on the preview of the Auburn basketball team for this 23-24 season. Uh, SEC Media Days for Basketball uh, went uh, took place yesterday in Hoover. And then today... There is uh, the Women's Basketball Media Days up there. And so we talked a little bit about Bruce Pearl's comments about the team yesterday. And, again, we'll sprinkle that in throughout the next few days and weeks. But particularly next week or the week after, we'll really get into the preview and talk to you about some of the other SEC teams that will be vying towards the top half of the league and and just Auburn's roster breakdown, that sort of thing. And and also – Bruce Pearl said yesterday that there will be a starting lineup soon. So once that gets announced, we'll be able to digest that. But uh, again, we'll start today with Auburn football as we, as we typically do. Not more Auburn Ole Miss fodder, though. Not yet. Uh, we will have some of that today as well. But want to hit on the new recruiting news. We've been doing that throughout the week. And of course, again, as I said in the open, had a commitment for the 2025 class earlier this week. That was in the form of Jordan Crawford out of Parker High School in Birmingham, a consensus four-star player, ranked 202 in the country, solid get for the Tigers, a big get for the Tigers, literally and figuratively a 6'1.5", 310-pound defensive lineman. Uh, then Auburn saw a, a decommitment, a four-star corner the other day out of Aniston, that uh, decommitted second corner to decommit. Still have two corners committed, though, uh, for 2024. Class still ranked 15th overall by on three. And now today, a, a pretty significant recruit commits to the 2025 class. Again, I always wanted to put a slight disclaimer, which is no fun whatsoever, and I get it. But we're still a long way off from this class signing. It's 14 months or so, so a lot can change. Uh, and we'll say that about guys that just quite uh, Auburn misses out on, but also guys that commit to Auburn because, look, it can happen both ways, and Auburn knows that just from this week alone. But a big commit for the time being, and Kendarius Reddick, a high four-star safety out of Thomasville, Georgia. Also, I'll tell you this, too, the other side of that is uh, these kids could still very much move in the rankings, and that could end up being a positive. And Kandarius Reddick is someone that is very highly touted. He's the number 52 player overall when you take the industry rankings into account by on three. He's as low as 98 in the country via 247, but he is number 36 in the class by ESPN and number 33 in the class by on three, which puts him in five-star territory potentially when 
when they do the rankings again this coming fall. So, uh, again, grading out is the number 52 player overall, the number five safety in the country, highest-rated recruit for Hugh Freeze so far in 2025. And, Brooks, that puts the class, depending on where you look, at seventh on on three. I think I saw earlier today it was fourth so far on, on uh, 247, which, again, understand we're talking about five, six, seven, eight commitments in most of these cases. But we certainly know that Auburn already operating from a position of strength in terms of getting ahead of the curve for 2025. And the, the key here is going to be you know holding on to these recruits, too, because, like you said, 14 months out from that uh, that projected uh, you know, early signing period uh, next year for this class. And so the, the key is, is you got the commitment, great. Now you got to fight people off for them. Yeah, you, recruitment's not over with. It, it's, it, and, it, you know, when, honestly, you get them on campus, recruitment's not over then either cause you, uh, because of the transfer portal and everything nowadays. But you, you, you fought these other teams to get him, you got the commitment. You made that progress. Now you got to fight people off uh, uh, away from him and keep recruiting him and make sure that uh, he, he doesn't flip anywhere. Because uh, you know Hugh Freeze is. You know we, we look at you know this this upcoming season the, the, or the upcoming class twenty twenty four. Uh, Hugh Freeze is starting to flip some guys. Now you've got to now you're you got to operate as a guy that you can't have guys flip away from you in the uh, future classes. But yeah, you know, and it, it continues to get to you know you continue to see the, the staff put in the recruiting work on, during the season. They're out there Friday nights at all these different high schools. Hugh Freeze has talked about this is why he took a step back from play calling so that he could do more focusing on recruiting and such, and and be more head you know in in front of the in uh, at the lead pack uh, for this Auburn staff to do this. And we're we're starting to see the dividends here. Uh, you're starting to see uh, Hugh Freeze and the staff put together classes. Uh, that are operating like he said he, he you know he, he said give us a, you know a couple years to start recruiting the guys uh, we want the guys that the the other guys are are getting and they're starting to do that they're starting to get some of the guys that the other guys are getting um, and so it, it's it's big it's really really big like I said the, the important thing is you you get the you got the commitment now you got to hang on to it but the fact that you know it even if you you know say this uh, Reddick doesn't end up coming to Auburn the fact that you got a recruit this high to commit to you, that can start a little bit of a, a of a, a wave of other guys saying, "Hey, this this guy is really good, and he wants to go to Auburn. Maybe I should check check Auburn out. Maybe I should get them on my list to go uh, check out." So that even if you know some of the the, the top guys like uh, like Redick, you know, even if he decommits down the line, goes somewhere else, it starts the it, once the big big names in the recruiting world start looking at you and start, you know, really putting you high on their list and even recruiting to you or uh, uh, committing to you. Uh, other names on those lists, other big names that, you know, everybody wants, everybody needs uh, on their roster starts looking at you too and taking you a, a lot more seriously. And I think that's where you see um, – what you see Bruce Pearl has done with Auburn basketball is it just took one or two big time recruits, and now every single year you're seeing you know some of the top prospects in the basketball world. Uh, if Auburn's not getting them, you're seeing their you know top five, top seven. There's an Auburn logo in that top five or top seven. You're getting. You know, I, I don't want to throw you know go back to this, but Duke fans uh, earlier this year were worried that Auburn was about to take a recruit from Duke. That that doesn't happen in basketball. You don't take you know once you someone says I'm going to be you know. You project to go to Duke. You're probably projected to go to the Duke. There's a few schools. There's there's limited schools. North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky are schools that can take them away. Auburn was never one of those schools that could take recruits away from. 
from Duke in basketball. Earlier this year, you saw Auburn was it was uh, it, the Duke fans were starting to panic that Auburn was about to take a recruit from them. It didn't end up happening, but the fact that they were in that conversation shows you where Bruce Pearl has gotten that basketball program, and, and it's starting to show dividends of what Hugh Freeze can do here. So he's starting to land some big recruits, and now Auburn gets in those conversations for those other big recruits too. Yeah, you were referencing, I believe, Flory Bedunga, who yes. ended up going to uh, Kansas. I think Duke technically finished third in that one. It was Kansas, then Auburn. Uh, than Duke, but yeah, Duke was in shambles about potentially re- losing a guy to Auburn there. Uh, and and then here on the the football side of things, you know, again, I, I want to be clear that you know we 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 think that Reddick will will stay, but also it's fourteen months away, yeah. and and that's and the, that, just the that's that's why I was just saying yeah. as an example because he's right. the newest guy, right? So I mean, you just it, you commitment makes him talk worthy, and certainly it is. A higher probability than not he'll end up in Auburn just like guys that commit somewhere else will be a higher probability that they'll stay committed to that school than they will be to flip but nevertheless you know we always just feel obligated to mention it because you know you don't you you can't take any of this as gospel until it's signed and and uh you know th- there are there are plenty of cases but feel very good about the news that Kendarius Reddick has committed again 52nd player overall in the country as high as number 33 when you're looking at just the on three rankings. So that suggests that he could end up a five-star at least in one, if not more, of the services. Or I guess dropping is always possible too. But uh, but certainly if you're looking on the more positive end of things, could end up as a five-star guy, certainly a high four-star guy at the minimum. And, and again, the highest rate of recruit in 2025 class. And uh, one more time worth mentioning that uh, regardless of where you looked, Auburn now well within the top 10 for 2025. So if you're just wondering what five quality commitments will do for you 14 months out, it'll put you amongst the Georgias, Alabamas, and and uh, LSUs of the world. And so they are certainly right there in the mix uh, with those schools. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the program. There is more Auburn football news to hit on, and that refers to one of the defensive coaches for Auburn who will not be on the sideline here uh, in this weekend's game against Ole Miss. We'll tell you a little bit about that and the why to that. And then a little bit later, we'll get into some NFL picks. We'll get into some of the other big games going on in the country this weekend. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here 
on this Thursday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock will be joining us in just a few minutes. On the other side of that break, we talked a little bit about uh, the newest commit for Auburn in 2025. And we also teased uh, a little bit of news heading into this Auburn Ole Miss week. Just want to keep you up to date on that. This via Jason Caldwell, Brandon Marcello last night. That uh, crime dog, Wesley McGriff, will not be on the sideline for Auburn as they take on Ole Miss on Saturday. I have stepped away from his day-to-day duties, coaching the DBs, coaching the corners in particular, uh, just for the time being. He's still involved with the program, still with the team, uh, but has a personal matter at this time. So Wesley McGriff's still on staff, uh, still doing a few things with the team from afar, but uh, will not be uh, with the team this Saturday against Ole Miss. Unsure if he will miss any other games or that sort of thing, but uh, Wesley McGriff will not be on the sidelines for Auburn. Instead, Tanner Burns uh, is expected to move on the field as a full-time assistant coach. And, of course, Zach Etheridge also on the staff. He's been coaching uh, the safeties. He can definitely fill in uh, coaching corners in practice too. So just wanted to update everyone on that. I I would not think that the – uh, there would be a, a huge uh, difference in how things should operate this weekend, but I uh, do want to alert everybody to that. Uh, Brooks, when thinking about Auburn Ole Miss, because I know we haven't transitioned to that. Uh, we transitioned a little bit yesterday, but of course you were on the Monday and Tuesday show. So thinking about a little bit Auburn Ole Miss, how well Ole Miss ran the ball on Auburn last year, how it was a pretty high-scoring game in bought Hemingway Stadium. Auburn uh, obliged on, on the offensive end as well. Um, do you see a track meet in this game, or do you think that Auburn's defense can kind of limit the opportunities with that home crowd and, and keep it into an area that's more more comfortable and more attainable for this struggling Auburn offense? So my first thoughts here is, you know, you Hugh Freeze talked about it earlier this week that once again Auburn's facing one of the top offenses in the conference, one of the top offenses in the country in, a, in Ole Miss. The difference, though, this week is you're not facing one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the country. Jaden Daniels obviously can make things happen, uh, and we talked about it all last week. We talked about how you were not going to be able to outscore uh LSU, Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, those guys are just they're, they're too good to outscore them. You would have needed a big defensive performance here. Um, you've seen this year, and, and LSU, you know, you look at them, they've put up points in every single game they've they've played in. Uh, even even the losses, they've put up points. Ole Miss, on the other hand, they've put up points too. And and you know, you look at the statistics, they are one of the top offenses in the in the in the country. But they've had a a couple games where they didn't look quite there specifically that Alabama game only put up what 16 points on Alabama 10, 10. well they lost 24 10 I, yeah. I, I gave them too much credit then um but it was it, it low 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 output and then early in the season you know we, we came into SEC media days and we were talking about this Ole Miss offense we were talking Quinshawn Judkins Quinshawn Judkins like this offense is going to be rolling you know he's going to run the ball he was kind of silent for a lot of the first part of the year he started to pick things up here recently but for the most part he was he was pretty quiet and Everybody was kind of thinking, "What what is happening?" Like they're winning, and they're they're winning some of these games very convincingly. But what what's going on with Judkins? Uh, I think this be uh, you you get Auburn at home, Auburn or Auburn you get Ole Miss at home. Uh, I, I think that plays into your your home crowd uh, having an effect there. 
this week, I, I think I don't think it's going to be as big of a scoring output this week. You know, you you looked at the the forty eight points that LSU hung last week on the defense. Um, I, I don't see that this week. I, I still think Ole Miss obviously has the advantage here, uh, but it is uh, it, it's it's a different type of offense because I, I think this Auburn defense can get out there and limit the, what the offense does and can uh, can get some more stops, uh, more uh, better stops than they did this past week against um, against LSU. It's it's a different it's it's the same type of game, but it's different. I don't know if that that's the best way to say it, but I think this Auburn defense can have more success against an, uh, an Ole Miss offense uh, that is still very powerful. And if you let them start scoring, they can keep they can get that ball rolling and they can score a lot of points. We've saw that especially against LSU uh, a few weeks ago. But I think that it's it's going to be one of those games where if Auburn's offense can find something, and that's the that's the key here. So if Auburn's offense can find something. You can outscore Ole Miss. Uh, it, it, it is possible to outscore this team because I, I think they're more vulnerable uh, on offense to being stopped, and we, we've seen it a couple times this year. But it, it's it's going to rely on the the offense finding something going because I think I, I have confidence in the defense. I have confidence that they can come back. They're not going to have another performance like this past week because and, and give up so many points. I think that they they've got a chance. They they can come in. The home crowd will be behind them. I think they can stop this Ole Miss offense uh, at, at a couple key points. It's going to be the Auburn offense that gets that. It can they get things going? That's going to be the biggest key if, if Auburn wants to have a chance to upset these rebels. Sure, and I, and I try to change up the the conversation a little bit because honestly, we could spend two to three hours a day just at offense and just at all the problems, and we've done that. And uh, what if any ideas you have to fix it? But there are two sides of the ball, and quite frankly, there were two sides of the ball that did not do their job against LSU the defense up until that point had been very good this year and so in that respect it was a little disappointing how they played at Baton Rouge however you knew that LSU's offense would be a test unlike anything that Auburn had seen to that point it's still just a little disappointing to have been uh, only forcing one punt and and just from the word go being kind of just overwhelmed by LSU's offense. I think that Auburn has a much better opportunity defensively against Ole Miss to at least just for a while hang around. Like at some point, if Auburn doesn't score an offense, Ole Miss will finally get theirs. I mean, and that's going to happen. If you have three or four, three and outs, or you string together three, four out of five punts and stuff like that, like you won't hold forever. And especially with Ole Miss trying to go tempo, trying to go tempo, like you don't, like it, it can still absolutely unravel for you. But I think the opportunity exists because. As you alluded to, Brooks, Ole Miss has not run the ball the same way that they have really in all the Kiffin years. I mean, that they had uh, even dating back to twenty in Kiffin's first year when they were just deciding that John Rice Plumley was going to be a, a pseudo running back and as a quarterback, they have run the ball incredibly well at Ole Miss. Like I, I think that we and me just get a little bit enamored by some of their pace and some mm. of their big plays and their play action and all this stuff but really Ole Miss and Kiffin they've really excelled at running before they've actually excelled at passing even with Corral in there for a couple of years too and I, I think that with when we're seeing Ole Miss as a more stoppable run team this year a team that has just not maybe it's a little more O-line play 
and that sort of thing, just king on Quenshaw Junkins, a more stoppable rush team, that gives yourself an opportunity. Because I will say this, you know, Jackson Dart, I do think he's improved from last year. I feel like he is making a lot better decisions. He's only thrown two interceptions. He's thrown for around 300 yards a game. I think he has checked boxes. I do think we saw improvement from him or are seeing improvement from him after the Spencer Sanders competition. However, I still see enough whoops plays against good teams where, like, you know, he's a quality quarterback, but there are things, ways you can beat him. And. I think that if Ole, if you can get Ole Miss into these important situations, that's just been my belief with Kiffin over these years, that if you get them into do-or-die situations, they have not done a lot uh, in those situations. and They have faltered plenty of times. And so th- with the knowledge that this run, gr- uh, run game is actually more stoppable mm. than LSU's, uh, you can get them into a little bit more of a third and medium or long situation. And when you do that, you have a better success rate than against LSU because Jaden Daniels, while Jackson Dart can run too, don't be fooled, he can absolutely run. He is still one of the better running quarterbacks in the league too. It's still not Jaden Daniels. It's not as effortless as Jaden Daniels. And there are still a few poor throws in it you know i obviously no one's perfect but there's still a few poor decisions mm-hmm. here and there um that that creep into it for him and so i just think that auburn's defense with with just that's just the x and o stuff or that's just the on the field stuff factor in the crowd mm-hmm. then i think it would be very disappointing to see Ole miss i'm not going to tell you what a total for Ole miss points is because that's getting into, I think, a lot to do with that. It's honestly Auburn's offense and how they move the ball throughout the course of 60 minutes. But if Ole Miss does anything like a 17 spot in their first three possessions like LSU did mm-hmm. in Death Valley, that's going to be incredibly disappointing because I think Auburn's got a, an opportunity to start that game strong. Absolutely. I mean, I mean you, you look at the, the Auburn defense, and, you know, you, you, you talk about the quarterback situation. Jaden Daniels, you know, he, he made a, a questionable throw last week, and we saw Auburn was able to disrupt that pass and ended up getting in the interception off the deflection. Uh, this, this defense, uh, I think that's one of their strong suits, is, you know, they, they give up some points – but if you make a mistake, they they are going to make you pay for it. They're going to go out and they're if you make and it, it it's you know it can be the smallest of mistakes, but they're going to make you pay for it. And they're they're uh, the especially the secondary. There are a bunch of ball hawks out there. Uh, you know, uh, Jalen Simpson seems to find himself around the interception more often than not. Uh, and so I, I think that it's it's going to be a it's you know if you get out there and and I, I agree if if. Ole Miss goes out and they put up a, a lot of points really quickly. Uh, you're you're starting to you know wonder what's going on here at, at, with the whole program at that point with, with because it, you know the the offense it's you, you can't get things going on offense and now the defense is giving up a lot of points to a team that you could uh, you've got a real chance to to come out and stop. Um, I, I think really you know you come out whatever that first defensive possession is uh, either you get the ball first or they get the ball first. Either that first or second drive of the game, uh, if Auburn can get a stop, a big stop, uh, a three and out, or a you know get into you know that area that Lane Kiffin will go for it on fourth down and stop them on fourth down, and get that crowd really into it. That's going to fire up that defense and uh, and lead to some big things for for that side of the ball. And again, I think that 
tone setting gets so important at times. I, I think I, I don't know. That's been like my thing of the year is I've gotten so enamored with how teams start off because uh, when there's a certain perception mm. of how a game is supposed to go, and especially really either side, whether you are a true favorite or a true underdog, because I feel like if it's pretty even you know that there's going to be punches back and forth. You can psychologically get around that. You understand they will make a play, you mm. will make a play, and you've got to do it for four quarters. But when there's a perception of there's a clearly better and clearly worse team, that's when I get more enamored with the starts of games. Because if you're that underdog team and you're at home, if Ole Miss goes down the field, scores a touchdown, Auburn's offense comes out, goes three and out or doesn't score and Ole Miss does anything positive the next drive how like what kind of confidence do you have at that point because you're down possibly two possessions in 10 minutes or less on your home field you were already kind of picked to lose the game you just start to it starts to become a mental thing too oh "Oh, now here we go again LSU part two man our offense can't just score you know, crowds trying, but now they're starting it out too, and, and all that seeps in. However, if Auburn goes out and stops Ole Miss, and then Auburn goes down and scores points and takes a lead, then not only does Auburn think, hey, you know, there's something to this night thing yeah. in Jordan Hare Stadium, or something to Jordan Hare Stadium. I mean, it's not breaking news here. And then Ole Miss starts to think, oh no, like. What, we need to wake up or help or, you know, this is like, that. no, it shouldn't be going like this. We were supposed to walk in here and score 40 like LSU, and I'm not sure what's going on. That kind of psychological warfare, I think, gets heightened when the teams start mm. adverse to how they expect the start. And, and you know, uh, not to uh, not to plug the high school coaches show again, but I, I asked this question a lot last night because you've got teams in, in the high school ranks this week around the area that are playing uh, that are, you know, playing for region championships against traditional powers. Let's just take, for example, tonight, Lochapoca undefeated. They're trying to win a region title, but they're playing Maplesville, who's run that region for a long time. Uh, and, and Coach Glisson, the defensive coordinator over there, even talked about it. And I asked him and I asked a couple of the coaches, Auburn's playing Phoenix City this week that you go in and uh, you've got what happens when you go in and you see it all you you mentioned you see it all the time you go into say you know an Alabama or Georgia and you say hey this team's got a chance this year to beat these teams well they punch first and then it feels like that sideline just goes oh and the fans go oh it's Alabama again it's Georgia again and then it kind of goes downhill uh you brought up uh, brought up last night uh Auburn and Georgia this year Auburn didn't have business being in that game. The, just you look at the talent perspective, you look at it, the the only way that you said they, they've got a chance here is because they were at home. And, you know, that hasn't sometimes that hadn't even been a problem for Georgia coming to Jordan Hare Stadium and putting the beat down a little bit. But this, you know, you, you got into that game, Auburn was able to hang around in it and kept that confidence up that said, yeah, this is Georgia, but we're in this game. And then it wasn't until that second half when you had just a couple of big plays from Brock Bowers that kind of broke things to to where they, they were able to win. And it still wasn't a blowout. It was still you know a one-score game at the end of it. And so you keep that confidence there. Uh, you like you were saying, Ryan. You get that early start. You get that early confidence in you. That can, and especially at home at night in front of that Junior Stadium crowd, it can it can pay very big yeah. dividends yeah home field matters a lot and again when the teams I, I and 
again, what the reason I don't think that psychologically it's as big of a deal to start strong or to not start strong in an even game, although I have talked about that for various games. I remember talking about that for Clemson, Florida State a little bit earlier this year. The reason I think for even games it's not as important is because you just understand you're not going to beat someone easily. Mm. Like you already have that inherent knowledge. So you know, like someone's going to score first, and I'm not going to freak out if it's the other team, and the other team's not going to freak out if it's us. But when you have something that is more along the lines of this should happen, and although the crowd and everything, you know, is, is going to matter, Ole Miss should beat Auburn on Saturday. If Auburn can get going early, A, the confidence grows and grows. This is the night. We're going to do it. The crowd's awesome. We're lit. It's it's happening. Lane Kiffin's losing two in a row in Durham-Hare Stadium. And on the other side, Ole Miss goes, oh, no, here we go. This is tough. I can't hear my thoughts. What what are we running? Why is, why is someone in the backfield already? Uh, I can't hear any, anyone think. And so it immediately devolves – and, and and test your confidence and test your mental psyche or the psyche of the team when something should happen and it doesn't happen that way and and so that's why I get curious in games like this and I get a little bit more attached to the start because it's not like if if, if Auburn got down ten nothing mm. in a vacuum it's not like Auburn can't win the game it's not like anyone can't win the game it's ten nothing first quarter. But given the offensive struggles, given what Ole Miss is, given what's supposed to happen, you have a tougher time believing. And you almost start to look towards, oh, no, he's going to we, – we just can't hit this pass and hey, we're going to have to and we can't. And you, it almost turns into if, – if you let it mm. – I'm not saying every team lets it, but it almost turns into a self-fulfilling prophecy where you expect it to go, go wrong, so it does start to go wrong. Uh, and so flipping the script from the get-go in games where you're the underdog to me is very important. Being able to harness that energy that the building and the crowd's going to have uh, just gets a lot more important in games like this. And um, again, so it, it doesn't guarantee you a win because obviously Auburn did that, had that recipe for Georgia, and just couldn't hang on. But yeah, if they if Auburn goes to Athens this year with Auburn's offense. I don't see them scoring – they ain't scoring 20. I think they probably score about 10, given the history of Auburn going to Athens here the last decade plus and trying to score there. Uh, so certainly this field, this home field advantage means a lot, and that's why. Look, it's only a six-and-a-half-point line or so. If it was in Vaught-Hemingway, it'd probably be two-touchdown line, just given uh, that Auburn's been double-digit underdogs for three straight games, and uh, including against A&M, who ended up just being a, a kind of an okay – team this year we're going to go to our next timeout of the show final timeout of our number one when we come back tp hammock will join us uh, we'll get into some other items around the college football world we'll also start to talk some nfl a little bit later and in our number two we will reveal sports calls player of the week you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. 
Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Continuing on here on this Thursday afternoon, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, and now T.P. Hammock joining us here on this Thursday edition of the program. T.P., how are you this afternoon, man? I'm doing really well. Uh, after a long day of classes, get to come in and talk on the radio, got some college football news today, and uh, a lot of good things happening, but I'm just happy to be on the show and getting to talk to you guys after last night's high school coaches show with me and the host of that show, Brooks Childress, went out there, talked some good high school football. So I'm really excited for today's show and uh, happy to be a part of the uh, – happy to make it uh, – a little late, better later than ever. So. Absolutely. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not tell uh, everyone this because this has been uh, defunct for the last couple of weeks. But uh, today we did finally get uh, a situation figured out for our uh, Mixler, our Sports Call Auburn stream on the uh, Tiger Communications app. It is slightly delayed. It is not uh, delayed enough to make a huge difference, about 60 seconds delayed. So uh, if it was any longer than that, we'd have to figure something else because you don't want to hear something too far after the fact. We've moved on, then you want to call in about it. So uh, it's about 60-second delay, so do want to give you a heads up about that. But if you go to our Tiger Communications app, the Sports Call Auburn tab, or on the website, Sports Call Auburn tab, that stream is now officially working, and uh, we believe this will be at least a semi-permanent resolution. And uh, excited to get that back up and rolling after a couple of uh, tough weeks. And our our guy Chandler, who you hear in the morning uh, weekday rush here on Tiger ninety five point nine, he was instrumental in, in helping us out with that. So appreciate his hard work, and uh, we do have that stream back up and running finally after a couple of. Uh, of tough, difficult weeks and uh, very problematic weeks, uh, but uh, we're we're all good now. So uh, let's continue to talk a little bit more uh, football today. Again, coming up in hour number two, we will have some. Uh, we'll try to transition into the NFL. Also, have the player of the week. We've been talking some Auburn and Ole Miss here, uh, and uh, TP turning to you now. Uh, give give some of your thoughts. On, uh, so we'll, we'll go back to offense because we talked some defense in the last segment. So Auburn's offense, I've been kind of taking the temperature of the room with various people on the show this week. Where are you at and what you want to see offensively, just game planning-wise for Ole Miss? I just want to see, like, a, you know, last week I said it on uh, – with the Plainsman, I said that it looked really underprepared, and I think a lot of people share that same sentiment. I just want to see a good game plan. This is not a good defense. Once again, you you rarely get to face in the in the SEC, nevertheless, two lower than uh, below average defenses. So this is your chance to somewhat make up for that, even if it is in a losing effort. You know, put up some points. That's been the biggest problem this whole entire year. Has been your offense has been inert to say the least so i, I want to see just a, a good game plan i want to see some sort of balance i mean we've 
we've been begging for the passing attack to exist, let alone be good. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it will be any better or any worse against Ole Miss. I mean, I thought it would look better against LSU, but – you know, Peyton Thorn threw for 102 yards. Whoopee! But like, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it was just, I, I want to see some points be put on the board from the offense. I think they will bounce back better. I think whenever you get punched in the face like that, verbally, I think a lot of teams come out a lot harder. We've seen that a lot over college football and just football in general, where if you get punched in the mouth, then you, uh, you bounce back pretty well. But I, I just want to see them put up points against a below average defense so here's the thing too and i'm not trying to uh go completely against you but i think that old miss's defense is maybe being slightly undervalued based off of one result i do not think let me go ahead and say i do not think that quantifies them as a good defense but i think that they are an on par average if I put it in the dictionary, this is kind of what it would look like defense in the in the SEC. And here's a couple of my reasons for that. When you look at what's happened this year, they are 60th in the country in opponents' points per game. So that inherently sets yourself up to be in the middle. You're 60 out of 133. And then you consider that this year they did have one clear outlier result against LSU but here's the point totals the rest of the year. Obviously, Mercer, who cares, but 7. Tulane, 20. Georgia Tech, 23. Alabama, 24. Arkansas, 20. So you have five other games there not allowing any more than 24 points. Now, granted, you know Alabama's the best offense of that group. Alabama has not had the same level of offense this year, obviously. Uh, but you went Tuscaloosa, you gave up 24 points. It was not the defense that lost you that game. Uh, playing Arkansas in a 27-20 game, yeah, that's a close game, but 20 points, you can if you give up 20 points a game all year, you know, you're going to be in great shape. Uh, obviously, Tulane did not have Pratt, so maybe Tulane scores more if they have Pratt, but 20 points again, same thing on the road. Not, again, they are giving up point totals. Now, there's still yards to be had there for sure. Again, this is not – again, I'm not altering this to, oh, yeah, no, actually they're really good. But if you're giving up 20 to 24 points against all your opponents – then you've been hanging around. They're also the the one statistic that I focus on with Ole Miss too is in six games they've created twenty two sacks, and so that's nearly four sacks a game as a unit. That's fairly disruptive, uh, and that is something that is even though they don't have the one talented guy like LSU had. Like LSU is bad defense, but they had two or three guys will be playing on Sundays for sure and in short order. Ole Miss doesn't necessarily have a lot of that, but as a team, they've done a pretty effective job of disrupting the passer and creating some negative plays, which Ole Miss teams in the past have just clearly not done. So, no, I'm not some big Pete Golding defender. I do not think he did a great job at Alabama, and obviously they have the one awful game against LSU, but I do think that this defense is still clearly a notch above what it was the first couple years Kiffin was there. It has put itself – like Ole Miss's defense is enough to where they give their offense a chance to win every single game. And it was the offense and Alabama's defense that failed Ole Miss in that game in Tuscaloosa, losing 24-10. to Their defense has given them a chance. And so, yes, you might say there are clearly, and there are, better defenses than the SEC, but this defense statistically and functionally has been better than LSU's by a pretty significant margin. And so the good news is here, you are at home. 
Uh, but you know, for the the up tempo that Ole Miss runs, and you can argue that hurts defenses too. Again, Ole Miss has done a fair job; they've done okay uh, in giving themselves opportunities. And so, it, after what I saw last weekend at, at LSU. I'm not sure the Auburn. There's just like all these wide, obvious opportunities for Auburn to then just make 500 yards on Saturday and to fix everything that's been wrong. Uh, there are still a couple of good things about the Ole Miss defense that uh, Auburn will have to deal with. Uh, but uh, also, I, I know that uh, I've gotten thoughts on Brooks from this a little bit too. Um, we know Peyton Thorne will be playing. And I still feel obligated to ask this question of absolutely everyone on the show, but like, do you still do you still understand? I guess the argument for why Thorne is still playing, or are you ready to move on completely from it? I mean, what's the temperature there for you? I think you know I'm not the type to just you know like oh we need to pull the plug after one game, but it's not been just one game it's been a full body of work we've seen it all season now and i'm getting i'm getting tired of it i I really am i'm you know what either you know find something and sit on that chair so if you're going to sit in the peyton thorn chair then sit in the peyton thorn chair and if you're going to sit in the robbie ashford chair sit in the chair i'm just saying i i want to see something i am i'm ready for robbie i i said this i think robbie ashford has a higher ceiling and I think they both have extremely low floors. And I will take the higher ceiling, even though I know he's a little bit more of a raw talent and I know defenses are going to know what's coming. They're going to be like, oh, he's more of a runner. And that's true. But, you know, I haven't seen much better with Peyton Thorne at the end of the day. I really haven't. So I, if they threw Robbie Ashford out there as a starter against Ole Miss and he did pretty well against them or if he does average then you know what I'm okay with it unless he throws like five interceptions or something then we can be like okay that was a mistake you know not a lot of people are even picking us to win this game so I'd be okay with you know what let's just put him here it's home you know I I I like that you brought that up about Ole Miss defense. They are improving. They hired Pete Golding. They are definitely improving. It's still a work in progress. So I think they'll be really good next year. But um, I think put Robbie out there, see what can happen. And you know what? If it goes terribly, horribly wrong, so be it. I guess you could go back to Peyton Thorne, but I would like to see – I'd like to see them give him a shot with this uh, re, this 2023 offense. Yeah, again, I, and I'm in the same boat just because, look, I, I get it. This is not I, – I have to bridge the argument I made the other day on the show. This is not a Astrid's just going to be fundamentally a better passer and all this. Stuff. No, it's it's not about that because I don't think he's a better passer. But what I'm saying is is that I, I do know Astrid's a better runner. I think you give your entire rushing attack a better opportunity to succeed with Astrid in there. There's more things for defenses to account for. Yes, there might be an extra person in the box, but they've got to account for the quarterback. They've got to account for everything. And I think more specifically, it's about if your quote passing quarterback production wise, what he, what regardless of how it looks and, and and all the other problems in play, if the production for your passing quarterback is capped out at a hundred yards. That's not enough to justify his existence in the offense. It's just not because you could very easily have someone get very confused on a Robbie on a Robbie Ashford read that ends up being a pass and give up half of that hundred yards just based off of someone being so committed to the run that there was a wide open play action pass to be had. So again, that's the abridged version, but 
I understand that's not what's going to happen this weekend. And there's going to be quarterback rotating, and there's going to be more gnashing of teeth in all likelihood uh, as Peyton Thorne and Robbie Asher will both play on Saturday. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back in hour number two, we're going to get to some NFL. We'll kind of uh, preview the week ahead, tell you about the storylines going on in the National Football League. We'll also have Sports Call's Player of the Week. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress, with you here on this Thursday. Going to be a little bit of rain overnight, possibly. and uh, But the good news is we're going to get that out of here in time for everyone to arrive to town tomorrow and get set for Auburn and Ole Miss. And with that, want to give you the opportunity right now. You call in. We promised this yesterday. One final ticket giveaway. Right now we have two tickets to the Auburn and Ole Miss game on Saturday. First caller right now, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First caller gets two tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium for that Saturday night game at 6 o'clock. We gave away four tickets yesterday, giving away two right now. So give us a call. First caller at 334-887-3401 can claim those two tickets to Auburn and Ole Miss. And so uh, the Tigers taking on the Rebels. This is a kind of significant deal where um, this game was such a, a big part of the 2021 schedule. Uh, this was a team in Auburn that under Brian Harson was gaining momentum. They won a sixth game of the season at that point. They did not win again after that point. It was kind of the it was the climax of the 2021 season, honestly, where Auburn really looked like they were about to have a pretty big first season um, when, after they beat Corral and beat Ole Miss 31-20. Uh, and after that, you had a situation where, obviously, Knicks gets hurt a little bit later in the season, the late in the Mississippi State game after they were kind of in the process of blowing that one already. Uh then have the incredibly close Iron Bowl. Obviously, don't have to rehash the whole two years. But I'm wondering if this could be the invert where Auburn might still lose this game and drop the three and four. Seems like a low point in year one. 
but you have a lot of winnable games right after. You got Mississippi State, Vandy, Arkansas, New Mexico State, etc. And I wonder if this could prove to be the inverse of that, uh, where you could end up having a situation where Auburn feels like this is the low light of the season, but then leads to the progressive climb upwards afterwards. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. I, I hadn't thought of that yet, but you, you do make a really good point about that because that's how that's how it was in 2021. Everyone was like, oh, okay, we're back. I mean, there was even talks. I'm not saying they were realistic, but there was definitely talks of people saying if we run the table, you know, Auburn could make the college football playoff. Well, I think that, that was ambitious thinking. It was definitely, you know, that's how uh, that's how highly people thought of that Auburn team after the uh, after that victory over Ole Miss because that was a good Ole Miss team that year that was a really good Ole Miss team so we will see how it uh, plays out but I I do think they're going to lose but I would be really interested to see if they were able to uh, to bounce back like and you know get those victories you know but uh, it won't be easy I mean I think Mississippi State's not great I don't think Vanderbilt's I think Vanderbilt's better but I don't think they're you know I don't think they should beat Auburn uh, but and uh, Arkansas is just a disappointment this year. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I'm confident in saying this. I think out of the four games that you mentioned, I think New Mexico State has the most wins out of all of them. Shout out to Coach Jerry <laughs> Kill there playing on Wednesdays and Tuesdays. Getting their five and three, and their quarterback's like incredible to watch. I'd watch it if you're bored on a Wednesday night. <laughs> they kick off at eight p.m. and I know that that's got to be rough for students, but we're not we're not the New Mexico State football uh, radio station. But uh, I think that yeah, I think I think I could see Auburn bouncing back. But I think it all starts. We could see that improvement. We could see those baby steps towards next season in 2024. I think it all starts with the offense, and like we were talking about before we went to break. You got to figure that out. That's the most important thing right now. Figure out your side of the ball. All right, let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger 9 And we now have Joe on the program who we'd also like to congratulate on winning the two tickets to Auburn Ole Miss. Congrats on that. Joe, what's on your mind today? Oh, man, not much. You know, I had a question to ask. Yes, sir. Uh, what happened to that shadow character? Yeah, we've not heard from Shadow in, in quite some time. I know that when JJ was hosting that he had been keeping up with Shadow a little bit. I know that Shadow had uh, a second stroke uh, last year okay. uh, and uh, was not uh, able to communicate as well after that. He called in once or twice after that, but we've not heard from him since. Hello? You still there? Yes, we're still here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I just, you know, a comment I had, y'all might not want to give me my tickets now. I said, you know, the Braves, the Falcons, and the Tigers, you know, they kind of wrote the book on choking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that there have been uh, uh, a lot of disappointments there, for sure. Yeah, you know, it looks like the same thing for the last four years. Just different names. Yeah, it it, uh, it feels that way. All the successful Braves teams, for sure, uh, winning all those division titles, the, both in the 90s and now, obviously, in the 2010s, but it's still two titles between that. It feels feels like a lot of missed opportunities. Obviously, the Falcons had a historic uh, Super Bowl collapse, and, and then Auburn certainly had some uh, some disappointing moments in, in important games like the 2013 title game, for sure. Uh, yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I think Auburn's best playing against these high-powered offenses is just running the ball up the middle and run the clock out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously Auburn's hey, – yeah. Go, go ahead. as long as you can. Yeah. Uh, the defense is going. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's uh, their offense has struggled so much this year. Obviously, they they're counting on the defense to do more than the average defense. All right. Well, that's about all I got for y'all today. Maybe I get up there and get them tickets. Yes, sir. And get highly impressed. Yeah, yes, sir, Joe. Well, we appreciate the phone call and congrats on winning those tickets. We'll see you over at the station soon. All right. We'll see you. All right, that is uh, Joe calling in here on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, the winner of our uh, two tickets there for the uh, Auburn and Ole Miss game. Coming up on Saturday, we were also able to give a uh, have a giveaway yesterday as well. So, uh, again, fun part of the year, able to do some of these ticket giveaways and, and obviously have a lot of interest in, in going to uh, a grouping of games. It's been sold out for, for quite some time, and we will continue to have ticket giveaways for the remainder of of the season, so I want you to stay tuned right here uh, to all of our uh, family radio stations and specifically us here at Tiger 95.9 and during our show, Sports Call Auburn. We're going to head to our first break here of the 4 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week, and then we'll get into a little NFL talk here on this Thursday afternoon. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Going to pivot to some NFL here in just a couple of moments. But before we do that, we want to reveal this week's Sports Call Player of the Week. Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The Pac-12 superstar put up huge numbers in Washington's heavyweight fight against the Oregon Ducks on Saturday, leading the Huskies to a 36-33 win. In the game, Penix completed 22 of his 37 pass attempts for 302 yards and four touchdowns, with the game-winning score coming with under two minutes left in the game. With the win, Washington moved to 6-0 on the season in prime position for a playoff spot, while Penix became the frontrunner for this year's Heisman Trophy. Michael Penix is Sports Call's Player of the Week. 
You know, in the time I've been on the show this week, haven't rehashed much of the games from this past weekend. We definitely looked at the SEC games on Tuesday, didn't talk about the results of the couple big national games. And this was a a huge result, obviously, as Washington able to get the last second win there, uh, last or last, last minute win there, I should say. Oregon had a chance to run out the clock and try and take it into their own hands offensively. Then they had a chance to get the ball back late, and they were just not able to make a couple of plays. Uh, Penix on the day, I mean, again, it, it, it's such a thin margin because he won the game, Washington won the game. But uh, if, if Oregon wins the game, I think we're talking about Bo Nix leading the Heisman race right now, to be honest with you, with the way Nix played. But it is Michael Penix in Washington uh, with the win. This Washington team, I'll be honest, guys, I thought that it would be as good as it gets when former Boise State head coach Chris Peterson was there. And I thought that after he left, it would be hard to reach that level again. They did make a playoff, after all, uh, with I believe Jake Browning as the quarterback at that time. But Michael Penix is better than Jake Browning, and Michael Penix is leading this Washington team towards the same kind of thing. Still a long way to go. Uh, but Penix has been awesome, and he made the plays when it counted against Oregon. Yeah, and you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, you think about the ones that got away. You know, Michael Penix was at Indiana a couple years ago, and you see where Indiana is now as a football program. Uh, I, I think that they're uh, Tom Allen is really like. Isn't their offense worse than Iowa's? It, it's bad. It, it's down there. It's yeah. really down. They went to three overtimes with Akron. And yeah, that's saying something. Zips. But, you know. Let's go Austin Scott. So. <laughs> Again, yeah. the one that got away, uh, uh, Penix winning, went to, to Washington. We saw a little bit last year that he was putting up some good numbers out there. Uh, but this year it's really taken off. It, it, last year's numbers got him into a, a spot where a lot of people were picking him as a dark horse of the Heisman this year. Uh, but he just he's rocketed up the, the the rankings this year. This past weekend against uh, Oregon, uh, the dynamic defense, uh, one of the better defenses out west. You know, you always think about the Pac-12, and over the last you know at least decade or so, you've thought, oh, shootout, you know, really high scoring football. Them and the Big Twelve have both been the two conferences that you've looked at for offenses. You haven't really looked at for defenses. Well, Oregon's one of the better defenses. They're an SEC style defense. Dan Lanning coming from Georgia. Um, and he's building that program into a, a very SEC esque like Pac twelve school. Uh, guess you know soon to be Big Ten school uh, next year. But uh, the way that Penix went out there and kind of carved them up a little bit and threw for four touchdowns over three hundred yards passing on the day against them, uh, it, it was phenomenal. It was it was very very impressive. Um, and you know he, he like it was said in the, uh, the little little tag there. Uh, he's put himself front and center in that Heisman race at this point, especially with the performance that Caleb Williams had this past weekend. Uh, there, there's not a you know there, there's arguments for other people, but right now I, I think it's Michael Penix and then everybody else in in that race. I, I agree. I think he really locked himself into as the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. He's just been such a fun watch. I I, I hated facing him whenever he was at Indiana as a fan, watching him face against. Uh, my Buckeyes, but uh, he's just an awesome watch. And I remember back in one of the August shows, we did a Heisman discussion, and I picked him as my uh, as my Heisman Trophy winner. So I- I'm not saying, you know, much. I'm just a little happy with that. But, but no, they've just been incredible. Their offense is like an NFL style. They have three NFL receivers, and their O-line is allowed, like, I think three sacks on the year, and one of them was, like, in garbage time. So 
I was really impressed with that. I think there were some definitely some questionable decisions by Dan Lanning towards the end of that game. I know we're not breaking down Washington and Oregon, but just for that. But Michael Bennett stepped up with little time, and he carved up the defense after Oregon's defense had really started to, you know, started to impose their will, per se. So he came out through a big moment. I think he's just incredible, and it's definitely his Heisman to lose now. Yeah, well, okay. Well, yes, okay. But I do want to re- remind you guys, we're halfway home. Okay? Yes. We've got, we got six games to go, plus conference title games. And this race ain't last year's race, where there was only one or two actual names last year. Still a lot of names in this. And I do want to throw that out there, that uh, Washington still has plenty of games to go against good teams. The Pac-12 does it differently than they used to. It's the best two teams. Might see Oregon Washington again, and if Nick beats them the second time, what are you going to do with that? And also, because again, I, I, I'm just telling you that that Nick's played every bit as good as as Penix did on Saturday, and it's not just about those two guys. You got an undefeated Jordan Travis in Florida <laughs> State right now uh, that gets Brooks very emotional. It does. Uh, you've got uh, you've still got the statistical dominance of Jaden Daniels. We'll see if LSU can get enough wins and enough enough attention going forward but Daniels has been as a individual player has been uh, absolutely awesome and so there's still some other options out there for you and I think it's still overall a very strong field I'm not as big on Caleb Williams at this point because I mean he was to be quite frank with you a huge reason why Notre Dame lost he threw three picks in the first half or excuse me why Notre Dame won as uh, Caleb Williams threw three picks in the first half that is something that uh, I was kind of my bold take earlier this year. I said Notre Dame would beat USC, and they did. And they, I did not think they'd beat them that easily. And so USC went sky, I mean skydiving down to what 18th in the polls after that. And, and so Williams still has a small opportunity, but he'll have to walk a, a very small tightrope, and he'll have to be awesome, and he'll have to beat Penix. Washington goes to USC first week in November. Washington's also got Utah, who's ranked. That'll be a good defensive test. And Washington goes to Oregon State, who is number 12 in the country. You might not think of them that way, but that's where they are. Uh, So there are some big games left for Washington that could be faltering moments, could be Heisman solidifying moments. Long way to go. So I just don't don't be handing the trophy out week six. This is the media does this sometimes, and I do not like it. And also, I forgot too. I mean, you could. Talk about Drake May, too, still not being out of the race for an undefeated uh, North Carolina team. So still a lot of great candidates uh, remaining in that for sure. But Michael Penix this week, Sports Call Player of the Week, you can submit that one. That one is uh, is signed, sealed, and delivered. He is the Sports Call Player of the Week for this week. All right, let's talk a little NFL now. As uh, we do each and every Thursday, we start to look ahead towards the weekend, and we look for – forward to these NFL games. I believe there are six teams on the bye this week, so this is a little bit of a heavier bye week. Uh, You'll still have, uh, what's that math, 26 teams. We have 13 games this week. Still nice and plenty of action. It kicks off tonight with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints. Two-point favorite are the Saints, which tells you on a neutral field to be one-point favorite for the Jags. I don't know. What have you thought of Derek Carr so far in New Orleans and the season they might be destined for? I think they've been uh, – they started off pretty well, 
But as the season's gone on, they've been more and more disappointing than I really thought they'd be. I thought Derek, I'm one of the few people that actually didn't think Derek Carr was like this piece of garbage quarterback that a lot of people like to believe. I thought he was really good and with a bad roster and a lot of times bad coaching. So I think he's been uh, getting some unfair hatred towards him. I thought with the Saints move, I was like, okay, that's that's as good as the Saints could have gotten right there. They paid him a pretty good sum of money, maybe a little bit higher than I would have liked, but at the end of the day, you know, that's still a good uh, chunk of cheddar. But uh, no, Derek Carr, though, and ever since like the first two games, though, it's just been bad, and I've, I've started to eat crow, per se, because I thought he'd be much better, and the Saints aren't – they're not in a loaded division at all. So, no offense, Brian. But uh, they, uh, I thought Derek Carr would be a little bit better, and they've been disappointing. Their defense is good, but even against the Texans last week, who are rebuilding, even though they've been better than we thought, at the end of the day, they're still rebuilding. They put up 13 points, and Derek Carr had the chance to leave a, a game-winning drive, and instead it was extremely average to below average. So I, I think the Jaguars are going to roll tonight. Yeah, the, the NFC South teams last weekend, uh, in particular Atlanta and New Orleans, had just horrible last five minutes of games. Um, all kinds of coaching malfunction, quarterback malfunction. The timeout usage in the Saints game was was rough because I believe there was a situation I'm trying to remember the exact particular of it. I was watching it in the stadium. I think that it was about fifty or fifty seconds a minute left. And the Saints are about to get a delay of game and they have to burn a timeout at like the Houston 45, 40 yard line, something like that. And you just can't be burning precious timeouts because you're late getting the snap of the ball for whatever that reason is. If it's a late play call, if it's a late adjustment, breaking the huddle, whatever, you can't call – you cannot have a situation where you need to call timeout when you've only got one or two remaining and you're down under a minute. You, you can't do that. And so that was poor. Atlanta threw a couple interceptions. Ritter had a really bad one in the end zone. Then trying to last-ditched effort through another one, I think. Or uh, maybe uh, maybe it was just incomplete, but nevertheless had a couple of opportunities late that they did not uh, take advantage of. There's also the two-point decision, which was interesting uh, to say the least and would have put Atlanta in a bind if they had scored because they would have to convert the two to tie it. So there was just all kinds of weird coaching stuff going on in the South last week. But, uh, but Saints at home, I mean, that's still a home field advantage, Brooks. What do you think, J- Jags and Saints? Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I think that you know you, you could really see this game going either way. Um, I, I think the Saints need a win here. Uh, you you got to win a couple weeks ago when you went up to to New England, um, but I, I think you need a win here, especially at home in front of a national TV audience, to uh, to to help with the momentum here a little bit because uh, that that division. And I know this isn't a division game. But that NFC South is still very wide open. Like anybody could, anybody except the Carolina Panthers could win that uh, that division. Um, and it's it's you know I, I think that this game can help them gain momentum. Jaguars is the same way. You know we we've been talking. I think it was a couple weeks ago we talked about who could win this division. Well, guess what? The Indianapolis Colts. They're without a quarterback now for the rest of the year, or at least a starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Uh, uh, Anthony Richardson going down, uh, going to have season-ending surgery. And so now the Jaguars, you look at this division, 
Tennessee still doesn't look like a, a, a you know a, a team that you know can can put everything together every single week. Houston is a team that's still very young, and we're we're you know still trying to figure out uh, all the the nuts and bolts of what they're going to look like. Jaguars uh, have a chance to come in here and take uh, take this division, and I think tonight, uh, even again, not a division game for for them, but you could come into this one and uh, if you can put a, on a good performance in front of national TV and and kind of you know get kind of get some momentum going after this game uh you you can carry that into the rest of the year i think with new orleans it's just it's a matter of when you look at nfl teams i i've started to subscribe a little bit to coach quarterback combos and if you've got that combo right it's really hard to mess it up if you've got a top third coach, and you've got a top third quarterback, then you are in a great situation. And if you don't have one of those, then you're going to be a middle-of-the-road team. If you don't have either of those, you're going to be a bad team. Uh, that That is why I have just continued to struggle to see the argument for New Orleans, or at least I see the argument for New Orleans, but subscribe to the argument for New Orleans because – even with Carr being an upgrade on what whatever Taysom Hill was doing and then Jameis Winston, even though that's an upgrade, it's an upgrade from, okay, like the 28th best quarterback in the league to like the 20th best quarterback in the league. So sure, it's incremental, it's something, but it's not above average quarterback play. Carr started to look like he was two years ago when they went to playoffs. I'd say he probably played around the 10th, 11th, 12th best in the league that year, but all this other stuff, there's too many turnovers, there's too many weirdly bad moments in important situations, not an obvious clutch factor. And their receivers good enough to win. Running backs good enough to win. Line's fine. Defense still pretty good. But Derek Carr is still a little below average. And then you factor in Dennis Allen, who I do not think is a good head football coach. And the rest of their team is set up. If you replaced Allen with a top 12 coach and you re- replaced Carr with a top 12 quarterback, I'm not asking for elite stuff. I'm just saying top 12. That team would win this division. And that team would be, guess what? It'd be the Saints from 2006 to 2020 with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. That's what the team would be. They would be winning 10 to 11 to 12 games the majority of years. And they'd be winning the division a decent amount, but they don't have Breeze and they don't have Peyton anymore. And I, I don't need to get into the Denver stuff and revisionist history on Peyton. I still respect Sean Peyton enough, and certainly the combo of him and Drew Breeze worked. So I think that's the issue with New Orleans is they don't have the quarterback coach combo to get this done for this game tonight. I don't know Thursday night games are impossible to predict jacksonville's on a little bit of roll here they're on a heater they're looking pretty good uh but in new orleans sure saints might pull this out but i just i've already seen enough this year to feel like they are going to find a way to not realize their potential that's fine with me i can't stand them but i still i just think that they are mad if you are a saints fan or you're indifferent i think it would be maddening to really study the saints and see why they lose these games when you've got a thomas alave tahid combo that is 
perfectly fine. It's above average in the NFL. Kamara is still pretty good. The line's acceptable. Again, defense is good as a whole. They have bled some players due to their salary cap constraints the last couple of years, but it's still been quite acceptable defense. They, they they just do the dumb things at the dumb times, and that's what and that's the difference in the NFL. The difference in the first place team and the thirtieth place team or thirty second place team in the NFL is not as wide as you think it is. It, it is it is sometimes seventeen twenty points. It's three, it's three possessions in the in the course of a game, and how you get there is a dumb decision here, a dumb coaching decision there, and getting out talented at one specific position. That's it. That, that's the difference in the National Football League. It's, it's, it's two to four to five plays over the course of a 60-minute game for a lot of these situations. All right, one more game. We'll take our next break, and we'll keep in the NFC South right here. Very important game in the South. Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You can listen to that game right here, Tiger 95.9, 10 a.m. airtime here on the Falcons Radio Network as they kick off an important one at Ray J against the Bucks. Uh, I will not be listening. I will be watching uh, live in person, as I typically do in Tampa, and excited to have my parents there at the game uh, with me. So, guys, you tell us, you tell me and the parentals, what are we going to watch Sunday in Tampa? Uh, I, I think you're going to watch a Tampa Bay team bounce back after last week. Uh, you you had a – it was not the national game at, in the 3 o'clock window, but it was still a pretty big one. I, I think that, it you know, you, you look at – uh, I'm sure if you looked at uh, streaming uh, statistics from like NFL Sunday Ticket, I'm sure a lot more people watched that one than watched uh, may, maybe at the beginning uh, watched that than the Jets. Uh, looking at it, but you know, it, it's I think you're going to see a, a Tampa Bay team bounce back. The Falcons have talent on their roster. Uh, I don't think you, a lot of people can. I don't think anybody can deny that they've got some talent there, but they just haven't been able to put it all the way together. They had several chances to win a football game last weekend against the Washington Commanders, and they couldn't take advantage of, of quite a few of them. Uh, I think Desmond Ritter needs to, if they want a chance to win, he's got to step up and play better. You look at him on the year so far: thirteen hundred and eighty passing yards, six touchdowns. But guess what? He's got the same amount of interceptions as touchdowns. It's a six for six. He's uh, six touchdowns, six interceptions. That's not winning football right there. Um, I, I think that also if you're Atlanta, you need to have B. John Robinson have a big day rushing the football uh, for for the Falcons. Uh, I, I think the Tampa defense is, is going to be a little too good this week. Uh, you know, I talked about it last week. Mike Evans uh, was a guy that I, I thought needed to to step up in that Lions game last week. I think it's he's also a guy that needs to step up this week against uh, – for the for the Buccaneers, uh, I think you're going to see a bounce back game here. I think Baker Mayfield. Uh, this is you know even though they're three and two, uh, the Buccaneers are. This was a game that uh, you know you you were in a big time environment. It was a big time game against the the Detroit Lions, who are you know on track to win that division right now. Obviously, uh, t- too early to you know fully say that, but they look like clearly the best team in the North right now uh, on the NFC side. And I think that left a bad taste in Baker Mayfield's mouth last week. Uh, you know, so I think that you see the I think you see the Bucks bounce back this week uh, against the the Falcons. And, and you know, the, the Falcons haven't won a game on the road yet. I think that also tells you something. They're zero and two away from Mercedes Benz Stadium, uh, and I think that continues this week. And I think they fall to zero and three. Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you just said. I also think. I think that the Desmond Ritter experiment for the Falcons, I think a lot of people are realizing 
how limited he is. And um, I think that's not going to bode well for him come the offseason. I think the Buccaneers' defense is pretty good. I think we look at that 20-6 to game against the Lions. It's kind of like some people would say, oh, you know, the Lions handled them. And they, they did, but I was more impre- I, I was impressed with the Buccaneers' offense. You know, that, that's been a really powerful offense with a quarterback that I think doesn't get enough love in Jared Goff. But I think the Buccaneers' defense is just going to – I think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be a bad day for the Falcons' offense. I could see it being like, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think honestly, it could be like twenty-one to three, and whoa, I would. I think whoa. it would. I, I would not surprise me at all if you know the Falcons' offense has just been very, just unexciting outside Bijan Robinson. It's just not been a very great watch, and uh, I, I've been impressed with Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. Sure, they're 3-2, and two, but I've been more impressed with them than I have been with the 3-3 three and three Falcons, but I think they've just been a lot better than a lot of people thought, and I think that Baker's going to go out there. I think he's going to do well. I think the Buccaneers' defense is really going to put a hurting on the Falcons' offense. I thought the silver lining in the week uh, Bucks' offensive performance last week was that it was not a matter of the plays not being available it was a matter of not executing the deep balls trey palmer wide open uh first quarter mike evans busted coverage by detroit mike evans running wide open but tipped at the line and intercepted a complete 180 of a play where the bucks were about to have a huge play and it became uh, at least three points for the lions after that turnover so i think the good news for tampa is that the coaching change at offensive coordinator dave canales versus byron left which is showing up even in the weaker moments as a positive uh so i think that this is uh it's a good opportunity for tampa you know atlanta's done something interesting the last couple weeks they've started to open it up more they've been throwing it around a lot more the last couple of weeks and i think that they are trying to I think they're trying to get Ritter more comfortable. They're trying to utilize the weapons more. There is some productivity there, but also when they open it up, he threw three interceptions last week. So they, they're still an offense that's trying to figure out their best course of action because Ritter does seem to be limited, but they've got a pretty good group of weapons there with what Bijan's doing, not only as a runner, averaging about five yards a carry, but also he's made a couple incredible catches this year too. Uh, so he is a true talent. And then we all know about Drake London and, and obviously the Kyle Pitts dynamic. So I think that there is still available offense in there, but they've just not figured out how to utilize it yet. And uh, in Tampa, on their perspective, they have played pretty good defense this year. Uh, even even when they were on the field the whole game, Philly didn't exactly uh, end up with a lot of points. They ended up with a lot of yards in that game. And as you said, Detroit – uh, only ultimately got to 20. So, I mean, Tampa's defense has hung around in all these games. And uh, I'm going to be interested to see uh, what uh, what Atlanta's thought is on how to handle Tampa's defense. If they want to go back to running 60-40, 70% of the time, or if they want to look a little bit like what they've looked the last week or two and try to be throwing more. Tampa's rush defense in particular has been pretty good. Uh, so it be interesting to see Atlanta's style on that one we're going to head to our next break of the show we come back a few more nfl thoughts as we begin to wrap up our number two if you want to give us a call today on the orthopedic clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine sports call returns in a moment
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Hi, welcome to Lifesavers Mission Thrift. Ah! Greetings, human. We are from the planet Mars. Word. Wow, but what are you doing here? We've observed that you wish to land on our planet. Yes, and so we must be prepared with new clothes and furniture, and we don't have much money. Yeah, we're students. Well, you've come to the right place. Mission Thrift has all kinds of clothes, furniture, gifts, all at the lowest prices you'll find. Excellent. And the best part is, all proceeds go toward helping underprivileged children of our community. Terrific. We will begin purchasing immediately. Zeepop, begin rummaging through those polyester pants. Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store on East University Drive in Auburn behind Zaxby's. From the Tennessee Valley to the Gulf Coast, we've got all the high school football covered right here. Hi, everybody. It's Jay Jeffcoat inviting you to join us all season long for the AHSAA Radio Network Scoreboard Show right here. We'll bring you all the scores and highlights every Friday night from 10 to midnight. Presented by Central Alabama Community College, Wickles Pickles, Main Street Urgent Care, Southeastern Land Group, Russell DeWitt Centers, the Alabama Department of Transportation, and Southern Union State Community College. The AHSAA Scoreboard Show, Fridays at 10 p.m. on FM Talk. 93.9. Are you ready to express your individuality? Look no further than Against All Odds, Tattoo and Piercing in Auburn. Our award-winning team of artists are here to bring your vision to life. From intricate designs to bold statements, we specialize in creating unique and personalized tattoos that capture your essence. At Against All Odds, we prioritize your safety and satisfaction. Our state-of-the-art studio follows strict hygiene protocols, ensuring a clean and comfortable environment for your tattoo experience. Visit Against All Odds, Tattoo and Piercing today at 1450 Opelika Road in Auburn, open seven days a week. When the game goes into overtime, but the game goes into overtime. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Pick up Bud Light at your local convenience store today. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan McVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program, going through some NFL topics right now, some NFL games. Again, just talked about some NFC South. Saints-Jags is the Thursday night game, and then Falcons-Bucks is on Sunday. Again, you can listen to that game right here on Tiger 95.9. 10 a.m. is the airtime on the Falcons Radio Network and kickoff shortly afternoon from Tampa between the Bucks, Falcons. Bucks 3 and 2 on the season, Falcons 3 and 3. Um, again, the margins in the National Football League very small. That one's a two and a half point line. So Falcons would be favored by half a point at, on a neutral field and uh, by three and a half if they were in Atlanta. Of course, that game will happen a second time. It will happen in Atlanta. Later this year, and again, that Saints game we went over first was a, a two-point spread, and so again, it, it, it's one and two plays here and there uh, in the NFL, and uh, those margins make it incredibly small. And again, the defenses in the NFC South too, between the Saints with again the frustrations that Carr presents in offense. I think Atlanta can say the same thing because their defense has been good. Um, and, and, and much improved from years past, but their offense still 
feels like they're not getting enough out of it. And then Tampa's defense been pretty good too. Uh, all three of those defenses are certainly not the problems of their respective teams at the moment. Just each one of those three teams are having a mid off to try to figure out which which uh, which quarterback, which receivers, which which offense can get just a little bit more out of it uh, so far this year. Let's move on to some other NFL topics and uh, let's look at some other matchups coming up this weekend. Put down the sheet. We we all do pick them for the week. Um, and and printed that out today. I'm supposed to do that on Wednesdays. I was a bad boy, forgot, so I got that <laughs> done today, finally. Uh, but we post the picks on our on our website, tiger.fm, uh, for, for people to see. And, uh, you know, I think that with this week of games, we were all having trouble. I don't know, TP, because you were doing it a little, little bit ago. We were all kind of having trouble with a lot of these games. Because there's some teams that have slightly better records that are like going on the road to play teams, which never is is uncomfortable. Like for example, Cleveland goes to Indianapolis. Indianapolis now does not have a starting quarterback. Cleveland might not have a starting quarterback. They're on the road. Vegas going to Chicago. Vegas hard to trust. Chicago playing a little better, but still Vegas three and three. Bears one and five. You know, Steelers three and two at three and three Rams, two and three Packers at one and five Broncos. It just—I don't know. I'm just not confident about much of anything this week. I am confident there's a couple great games this week, though. We'll get on one on Sunday. Five and one Lions, four and two Ravens. Again, there's another one, slightly better record for the road team at Baltimore. Baltimore is a three-point favorite at home, which means absolute pick them on a neutral field if that were the super bowl which i'm not projecting at all if that was the super bowl would have no clue just just you take it or leave it and if it was this sounds def- like a, uh, something somebody that's picking this as a super bowl would say <laughs> i'm absolutely not picking the super bowl I, I i do not approve this message i don't approve it uh and then lions would be favored by three at home so Lions-Ravens don't get this matchup every year. NFC and AFC North right here. What do we think? Lions have been good on the road. Uh, 3-0 and away from home. Uh, you just saw them go on the road and beat a, a Buccaneers team this past weekend um, away from Ford Field. And now you're away from Ford Field again uh, uh, up in Baltimore. Uh, you know, we I think we've uh, – Lamar Jackson's just been – a question mark this year uh, he, he's been fine but it's just he hasn't been that the mvp level lamar jackson that we've seen um i think that this game uh, i think the lions uh could win this game uh, in not fully convincing but i think they could win this by 10 points uh over over baltimore uh, i think jared goff has taken a couple steps forward um i really like uh amon ross st brown their wide receiver he's he's got uh three, 38 receptions 500 or 455 yards three touchdowns so far this year um i, I think that this lions offense uh has a chance to go out here and put up some points this weekend i, I think uh, on the other side i think the ravens also have a chance to put up a few points um i, I think that this this could be a a, a a 10-point game for the Lions. Uh, I, I like what this Lions team is doing this year. I think Dan, you know, a couple years ago, Dan Campbell was questioned uh, after he got hired, and you know, I know a lot of the national media was, you know, making fun of the 
the uh, this quote from I think it was his, his intro presser. It's like, well, we want to get up fighting and biting their knees as we're getting up and stuff like that. And I think a lot of the national media was making fun of that. Well, his he's he's out there. We we heard him uh, a few years ago. He was uh, when we were at the, the Senior Bowl uh, a few years ago. They had a, a coaching uh, talk that one of the nights, and Dan Campbell was one of the one of the pro uh, coaches because I think the Lions were one of the teams down there that was coaching uh, one of the Senior Bowl teams. We heard him talk, and uh, I, I came away from that impressed i was he's, i was like yeah he's a he's he's one of those hard-nosed football guys it's kind of like in the college ranks sam Pittman is like one of those hard football guys like he's you know you, you don't know how he's gonna he's going to be as a head coach but you know he's a football guy and he's you know he can go in there and get you know he knows the hard work that goes into winning winning games and stuff um but i think that this this lions team is starting to you're starting to see the they're they've bought in this year they're they they're really excited uh and you know i think you're you're seeing that pay dividends on the field and i think you'll continue to see that on sunday yeah i i can't wait to see this game it's gonna be hard for me to watch it but i'll do my best but um I want to see how Jared Goff does in this situation because this is the type of game where we've seen Jared Goff historically not done well. It's on the road. You're in Baltimore. It's not going to be easy. Baltimore always has a really good defense under John Harbaugh and their defensive coordinator. That's one of the things that they've always prided themselves off of. And this is the best position the Lions have been in a very long time. I know they have some injuries at the running back position, so that's going to make it a little bit tougher. So I really want to see – are we going – is this the new Jared Goff? Is, is this the real Jared Goff that I think could potentially, if he keeps playing like this, should be in some sort of MVP caliber conversation? Or are we going to get this old Jared Goff whenever you, you're not in the dome, you're on the road, you're in a hostile environment where he goes like one touchdown and two picks and, you know, not great yards. So I'm really interested to see this. I'm leaning towards the Lions just because I want to believe – in the new era with Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator. I, I want to believe in that. I think it'll be really low scoring, though. I will go with 21-17, to 17, a Detroit victory. Yeah, it definitely feels like Baltimore's a team that's going to be involved in a lot of low scoring games. And they have, again, they've gone a little heavier pass of this must feel with Baltimore every time as they've, they've gone a little heavier pass this year. And it's not exactly panning out. Because again, Lamar's strength is running, and you get that as he ages, he's just not going to be able to run as much and stay as healthy and that sort of thing. But again, he is squarely when you're looking at uh, yards per game and you're looking at all these different statistics. I mean, Baltimore's throwing more, but they're not getting a lot of extra production uh, from it at all. Uh, and I, I think that honestly, overall. When I'm looking at this game, it's again, it, it's I struggle with one with this one because Baltimore is at home. They do have the home crowd. Uh, it is worth something real, but I just I don't know, man. Like I feel like Detroit is is pretty solid defensively too. I mean, they did a good job against Kansas City in Week One going in there. Like they've not. It's not mattered their road environments. Yeah, they didn't have much of a road environment. Tampa. They had thirty. 40% of the crowd and Lions fans were all over the place. I mean, that's not m- much of an intimidating environment. But you go to Kansas City and win, you can go anywhere and win. And so even with Baltimore also having a great advantage and, and that sort of thing, 
I'm not too scared off of Detroit just because they're on the road at Baltimore. And I and it's, seriously, I want to see Lamar Jackson play a little bit better. I was looking at yards per game by team, and right now in the NFL, Baltimore is 23rd in passing. They're 23rd in passing. Like they're not throwing the football that effectively. They don't have awesome receivers. They have decent receivers. That can be part of it, but. Again, that's something that I'm going to follow throughout the year because that was the biggest quarterback contract of the year. We were all obsessing over what was going to happen with Lamar and that sort of thing. And right now, it's been a little underwhelming. Now, if the minute they start running more with him, it's going to be they're going to unlock what was making it so great in the first place: ball control, explosive plays, a lot to account for. That's why he made his name. But you see, if you try to limit him and box him into just a pocket passer. It's not some special product. It's not. Uh, and so, anyway, I, I think that this will be a pretty low-scoring game. I kind of lean towards Detroit, even though it's on the road. I'm certainly buying what Dan Campbell is selling, but uh, by no means do I think this is going to uh, be anything other than a one-possession type of game. We are out of time for our number two. Coming up in our number three, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll t- continue to have more NFL talk. And we'll also loop back around more Auburn and Ole Miss before we get out of here on this Thursday afternoon. Stay tuned. More Sports Call coming up after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon turning into evening. We appreciate you for listening in to the program, however you might be listening today, including getting that Sports Call stream back up and running, the Sports Call Mixler, both uh, the Mixler and being able to connect it to uh, the Sports Call Auburn tab, either on the Tiger.fm or on the Tiger Communications app. Or, of course, you can be listening to our show after the fact. This might be Friday for you, Saturday for you, Sunday, whenever. 
And you would be listening to the Sports Call podcast, which is presented by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right. For the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group today, going to continue talking some NFL here, and we're going to look at what the five top teams in the NFL are doing this weekend. We kind of already looked at one of them real quickly, and yes, this is one of the top five teams in the league here in the 2023 year of our Lord. Number one. The Detroit Lions at 5-1. and one. They are going to Baltimore this weekend. Big game for the Lions. Big cross game. Who would have known that this would end up being a big-time matchup? But the 5-1 and one Lions going to Baltimore. Number two. And number three. Two teams involved here as it's the 5-1 and one Miami Dolphins, 5-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles. That's Sunday night football. That's a really good one. We'll talk about that game here in just a couple moments. But another AFC versus NFC matchup. Maybe this one could be the Super Bowl. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. I still think your pick is uh, whatever game. The, the, the Lions, Lions Ravens. Ravens. Yep. It's not. Uh, it's <laughs> absolutely not. It's just false false narratives number four what's not false is that despite the loss the san francisco 49ers still a very good football team 49ers going to minnesota on a monday night that will be again the vikings and the 49ers 49ers still at five and one after their first loss of the season and last up here in the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. I'm going to include, there's a lot of 4 and 2 teams here. I will just throw in, just to, I guess, irritate Brooks by 2%, I guess, as, as number 5 here. The Buffalo Bills, who are going to the New England Patriots you this weekend. You can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bills here, uh, tumultuous game on uh, Sunday night playing the in-state rival New York Giants and uh, getting a little grabby late but hanging on literally and figuratively uh, <laughs> versus the the Giants Bills getting the 14 to 9 victory they take on New England this weekend in Foxborough and that's Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group top 5 teams or 5 of the top teams in the NFL and what they've got going on in the league this weekend. You can also throw in there the Kansas City Chiefs, which are technically ahead of the Bills record-wise at 5-1 and one, and probably were missed for doing that. So add the Chiefs in there. They've got, Can- uh, they've, they've got Kansas City. Technically, when you're one of the best teams in the league, you play yourself every week because if you play your best football, you should be able to win more times than not. Anyway, they host the Chargers, who uh, also had a devastating loss in prime time this past weekend or past week on Monday Night Football to Dallas. All right, that that five and one matchup though, that's the matchup of the weekend. I remember, guys, when we were talking this time last week, we were trying to circle when the 49ers and the Eagles might end up losing for the first time this year, and they went ahead and did it immediately before they even got to the games that we thought they might trip up in but this was a game for the eagles that was circled for some as they take on miami's high-flying offense and again on the heels of the worst uh, game of the year for philadelphia so eagles dolphins guys what do you think i think um you know i think that'll be a really good game uh we had circled it last week as a potential upset and i had mentioned if you remembered 
I had mentioned about how the Browns defense versus the 49ers offense is going to be interesting. Well, just uh, they just got banged up. That's what it looked like. The 49ers got banged up, which is unusual because the narrative had been the 49ers do a lot of beating up themselves. They're a really physical team, but the Browns defense was just more physical at the end of the day. So I think that'll be a, a great football game between the Dolphins and the Eagles. Um, not sure who's going to win it. I, I, if you have the point spread, I'd be interested to know. But uh, it was Eagles two and a half. That, that's about what I'd put it at. But um, I'm leaning Dolphins. I think I think they'll drop another game. I think that'll finally wake up the Eagles this year. You know, I I'm really interested to see because we talk about Miami's offense and how fluid it is, how beautiful it is. I love I love watching Mike McDaniel already. Uh, his system is awesome. And uh, he's instilled a lot of confidence from the word go into a Tua Tagovailoa has been great when he's been healthy. I mean, he he really has. He leads the NFL in passing, and he has been a lot of fun to watch. Tyree Kill is trying a very ambitious goal to get to two thousand receiving yards this year. And guess what? In six games, he's already at eight fourteen. So he's actually on pace to do that right now, which is absurd. Uh, so. They are putting up ungodly numbers. I'm interested to see if the lines of scrimmage really disrupt Miami because they do a lot of play action. They do some long developing concepts. Uh, they run the ball pretty well. They do they do everything pretty well, obviously, with the, their offense output. I'm interested to see if Philly can control this line of scrimmage because that has been Philly's strong point for a couple of years now. That's the foundation of their team. That's why, even though Jalen Hurts has not impressed many people this year, they're still 5-1. and one. And obviously there's other great things about Philly's team. I mean, they're good all over. But I just want to see if Miami's offense gets disrupted and if they have a little more trouble actually getting off the play-action passing and if the motion is as effective and the misdirection and all that good stuff. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. To, to figuring out because they 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 got handled by Buffalo and and yes it was more so their defense but also the offense was it was not certainly not their best offense output against Buffalo but that's going to happen from time to time I'm not I I'm not too worried about it right now I'll be worried about it if every time they play a four if every time they play an above 500 team they they score only 17 to 20 points but I I do not think it'll be that way at all uh, so Brooks what do you think between Miami and Philadelphia. Um, I think that when you look at Philadelphia, I think I really like their defense. Uh, I think that they can do some, you know, we, we talk about this Miami offense. It's very dynamic to uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think it's very, very dynamic. Um, but I think this Philadelphia defense can come out and, and can really, uh, I, you know, what you were saying, I think they can disrupt a little bit. I think that they can get in there and disrupt that offense and flow a little bit and put pressure on Tua. Uh, and all it takes, you know, Tua, when, when you have a guy that's um, that, that's been injured uh, a few seasons, all it takes is getting a little bit of pressure on him. He starts to get a little bit uh, a little bit more jittery in the pocket, makes some more trying to get that ball out a little bit quicker, trying to trying to avoid hits and uh, can make a can make a uh, can make some sort of mistakes out there. Uh, for the Philadelphia on offensive side. I think that you know Jalen Hurts is you know again a really good quarterback. This is going to be a fun uh, a fun quarterback matchup because you got two former Alabama quarterbacks uh, going after each other. Uh, you got uh, Alabama's Tua, Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts uh, battling, uh, and I think that's going to be a fun QB matchup uh, in a game that involves a Kelsey brother. 
a Swift is going to play a lot of uh, a big oh, part, but it's going to be DeAndre. Oh my uh, god! I had to get one in there. Um, I, I I was a little I was not paying close attention. And you got halfway through it, and then I just woke <laughs> up and. But DeAndre Bear. DeAndre Swift, you know, 452 rushing yards on the year, two touchdowns. I think he's got to have a big day for that offense running the football. Uh, I, I think Philadelphia bounces back. They're 2-0 and at home. It's a primetime game. It's Sunday night football. Everybody's waiting for it all day long. And uh, I think that Philadelphia is going to come out and, and is going to is, is going to win this football game. Uh, uh, not, I see what you did again. <laughs> I, I'm i on to you. Not, you not, played into the theme song. They're not going to. Everybody. He's been waiting all day for a Sunday night. I see you. I was. I, I you tried can't to hold sneak it, it past me. I tried to hold it together, uh, but I think Philadelphia wins a very, very close, uh, close game here. Probably mid to upper twenties scoring on either side. You're going QB sneak and tush push. I mean, and and Taylor leaning in all of it, man. I just, I don't know. I, don't I tush pushed the Taylor Swift when I got yeah, that one. Yeah, in there. you did. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a heck of a game. Sunday night games, this is my perception, could be wrong. I don't know. Let me ask you guys. I mean, you're here. <laughs> you guys yeah, are we here. are. <laughs> we're, not, we're not AI that you know of. <laughs> uh, you are real people. Does it feel like Sunday night's been the most reliable primetime slot between Monday night and Thursday night? Feels like Sunday night is more reliably the better game. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah. you know, and especially because you, you know, it, and when you look at it, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it, it only happens a couple times a year. But Sunday night has the uh, has the the advantage of being able to flex a game in and out. Sure. So like, if you got, you know, let's say later on in the year, I don't know if this is it. They've got the say they've got the the Giants and the Commanders on gonna flex that one out yeah. now and get somebody else in there but you know if you're that Thursday night game you really can't change the date on that that much if you're the this Monday game you can't change the date on that one as much you can maybe on a Saturday game you may can you know some of those can get changed around but uh, the Sunday games you have the opportunity to flex those games and be like hey we actually want a better game here uh, plus you know it's the the Sunday you know they it feels like I don't know if this is actually I'd have you know you, you'd have to go into the contract but it feels like the that NBC was able to uh, you know kind of get into the the ear of the NFL and was able to kind of you know get their their way and get the bigger games on Sunday night uh, in you know it, it's kind of the the cap off to the weekend I know you still got the Monday night game the next night which is always you know traditionally has always been a big deal. Uh, but you know it, that that Sunday night game, it's it, it's the the cap off to a big day of NFL football. It, it, it feels big, it, and you know you it, you've got the uh, originally or uh, the original Sunday night football. You've had the biggest announcers. It was Al Michaels and John Madden came over from Monday Night Football, started the Sunday night uh, stuff, and then it was Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Mike Tirico's taken over uh, since Al Michaels gone to Amazon. But it still it feels bigger, no matter who's playing in it. It, it could you know you, say you trot out the the Giants and the the Commanders later this year, it's still gonna feel kind of big. It's on Sunday night so like you it's kind of it may be you know we were talking a little bit earlier about that psychologic thing when it comes to you know momentum when it comes in, in football it's kind of a psychologic thing you hear that that uh the the theme song yeah. kick off and you're like oh it's it's like the SEC on CBS you hear that big that song you're like oh it's a big one it's Georgia Vanderbilt it's not going to be a big one oh but it's the, the SEC on CBS that song's got you thinking it's going to be a big one yeah I, uh sorry to cut you off no you didn't I, I uh yeah, I agree. 
with the Sunday night thing, it definitely feels like they've gotten the better games. It always feels like the running joke, at least amongst most people that I talk to, is that the Thursday night games are awful and that you'd rather watch the college games that are on ESPN and all and you don't have to go to the streaming and all. But I will say, if I have to see the New York Giants on Sunday night football one more time, I'm going to be really mad. I am so sick of it. I know they planned it out beforehand. I know that they, you know, they can't control control it that the Giants are really bad this year but I, I I do agree though Sunday night games are just incredible like there are some games where I sit there I'm like oh I can't wait for that Sunday night game like that's gonna be great me and the roommates you know we're buying pizza you know we're getting the takeout from Papa John's gotta get the garlic butter but uh you know we're getting ready for that so I agree I do think the Sunday night games do have a bigger field even though controversial take i I don't like the theme song but uh i think that it's uh i I think some games do have a really good feel and it just brings a lot and i can definitely see why those uh viewership numbers do so well carrie underwood is a national treasure and i will not have slander of carrie on this on this program (laughs) i i I am so i I think it's time for a change also uh, uh, all right hold up i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna have this debate also you know another quick thing uh, about the two the three primetime games thursday night monday night they're work nights. You're getting off work. You're going home. For me, at least, you know, those games start, what, 7.15, 7.20. I'm still eating dinner at that time, and so I'm not getting into the football mood till at least midway through the first quarter and then into, you know, maybe into the second quarters when I'm getting to those. And so it's it, it, it's you, you kind of take a minute to get in there. Sunday, you're watching football all day. You're already locked in, and, you know, you just flow right into that Sunday night game. So it feels a little more like, oh, we're paying attention the whole time. I, I don't know if that's everybody, but for me, it's like, you're you know, you're getting off work. You're going home. You're making dinner. You're eating dinner. You're talking about your day with your with your significant other or with your cat or something. And then you're finally getting to the those games after they started, and it doesn't feel like you're settled in like you are all day Sunday too. Oh, okay. So I was look through the rest of the Thursday night slate, and there's only one. There's most of them are actually have the potential to be decent. There's a few that will be pretty good. There's only two that were getting kind of bad. One of them does involve the Patriots. I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. Patriots and Steelers. I know our Which on paper, year. Patriots and Steelers should yeah. be a, a layup, yeah. but it's just it's just an awful year for the Ten Patriots. Ten years ago, and, that would have been Sunday yeah, Night Football. Sure. So the There's that, one. The fact that Tony Romo and Jim Nance were at the Raiders and Patriots game this past week is awful. So you know why they did that, right? I, I read about why they did that. So that Tony Romo could go to a U2 concert the night before? Well, I'm sure he liked that. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a test run because the Super Bowl's in Vegas. Ah. Oh. That so that's sense. why they did that. Yep. That makes sense. They did have some weird camera angles for that one. So, so they're trying a few yeah. things out. Yeah. There's a Thursday night game on the 9th of November. Okay. Pretty Ooh. close. Coming up. Oh. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh-oh. I know it involves my team. It's the 1-5 in five Chicago Bears. Okay. Woo-hoo. Hosting the 0-6 Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Woohoo, that's prime time, baby. No, I'm telling you right now, no, if you are a casual if you're a Bears fan, fine. Yeah. If you're a Panthers fan, fine. If you are any a fan of any other team, you do not watch that game. <laughs> you do not watch that game. You just move on with your Thursday night. Find something else to do. I was gonna look and see what Holy the crap. football slate is. There's also, week. and again, if this is unfortunate too. There's another Bears primetime game. Oh, why? 
<laughs> Sunday night football, even sooner. It's the 29th of October. Oh, yeah. Bears at the two and three Chargers. You know, that's not oh. the best either. And oh, guess wow. what? I've got one more. Wow. <laughs> one more Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Monday night football. They spread the love. You get a bear. You get a bear. <laughs> you get a bear. Monday night football into November. One and five Bears. Two and four Vikings. Having a big yeah. year. Big year. Hey, that was a close yeah. game last week, though. I'll be, tell you might what. be close. I'll tell you what. Bears fans rejoice because that's primetime Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bears going to storm into Minnesota and get their third win of the year. The battle Both for Caleb Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I look, that, oh. that Thursday night game you, you brought up, I looked at the college football slate. Yeah. I, you Please may, give me you something. You may be better off watching like a replay of some oh, a Braves game this year. Oh. <laughs> because 630 ESPNU is 1-6 Southern Miss visiting 4-2 Louisiana. Yeah. And yeah. the big one that is does involve a ranked team. Yeah. Number twenty one Louisville hosts yeah. the one in five Virginia Cavaliers. Oh. Go Go Hoes or whatever they say. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief, man. And then I even looked because sometimes Thursday night will be NBA TNT. It's like Orlando and Atlanta and then Milwaukee, Indiana, which neither one of those really kind of does it for I, I just Thursday, November 9th. Date night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do anything else. Sports, sports will not be worth it that night. Cook dinner or something. I don't know. Find a movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, Netflix. <laughs> hopefully, you know, there's going to be a few movies out then. Barbecue, like, you know. It's just any anything else at that point. We need to head to another timeout of the program. When we come back, uh, we'll get back a little bit more in the college. I get a few more thoughts from Auburn and Ole Miss. And uh, have a few thoughts on uh, some of the games coming up in college football this weekend. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show Hi, my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Starting to wind down on this Thursday. Back to Auburn Ole Miss in just a little bit. Do want to hit on another college football news item that uh, T.P. is going to be a fan of. University of Michigan. They're playing good football this year. There is accusations of sign-stealing from Michigan football. And uh, I, I have not had the opportunity to read all the specifics on it, how long-ranging it is, but this on the heels of an already investigation that did not go well, uh, relatively speaking, for 
everyone involved. I, I know that there were not huge penalties dealt to Michigan, but still, I mean, I think objectively speaking, just having any investigation by the NCAA is not a good start and not a good thing, uh, even if they did not get huge penalties from it. But they just had a run-in with the NCAA, and now they're having another investigation. And it's – I remember talking about – and I know it was related to recruiting – but I remember talking about a few months ago that it was just suspicious as I keep hitting my microphone hard and because I'm passionate. Um, I, I keep thinking about what we, what I was talking about where you just had a weird situation where you lie to the NCAA, period. It, it doesn't matter over what. And, and even though that was recruiting, more of a recruiting thing, and this is not recruiting – you just start lying and you start trying to plug one hole with a lie and that sort of thing. And it just asks me why, you know, it makes me wonder why, because to me, when you lie over something pretty trivial, because their allegations, their recruiting violations were not level one violations. When you do that, it makes me wonder there's, if there's more there, you're trying to cover up the bigger, Issue play not now again. This is not necessarily related to that. This is something happening on the field. That was something happening off the field. But it, it, I, I think the Michigan program is not looking good in the public spotlight right now, and there are a lot of questions. And if they get in trouble here, look, you start to build up problems with the NCAA. The penalties will get stiffer and stiffer. Going to be hard to justify lesser penalties. And lesser probation periods and that sort of stuff. And uh, this is clouding a team that is, again, really good. I know they've not played anybody yet, but they've certainly thumped everyone that is supposed to be below them. And they're going to be in the battle for the Big Ten for the national title again this year. And now they've got another dark cloud midway through their season. And I'm I, I just Michigan football not trending in the right direction off the field and uh, with, in the eyes of the NCAA. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, some people are saying, oh, this is a nothing burger. And it, it did look like that originally. I was like, that's kind of bizarre. But then someone brought it up to me. They said, well, the NCAA and the Big Ten notified their future opponents about it. And they thought it was so, it was a very big deal. So I think that is a good point. I think it's a pretty big deal then for the NCAA and the Big Ten to come out and say something about it. So I don't know what the consequences are going to be. I don't know if there will be any because the NCAA is very 50-50 where they may just sit there, do nothing with their hands, and Jim Harbaugh might get suspended for a quarter. Or they could lay down the, the wrath of fire and they could just destroy the whole entire program. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. I don't even know why they still exist. But I think yeah, I think it's bad because they've looked really good this year. They really have. They've Their defense has looked incredible. Their offense looks really good. This has been the best Michigan team. A lot of people thought this was going to be uh, Harbaugh's you know, swan song. He's going to head back to the NFL, and I'm sure his phone will still be ringing with a bunch of NFL GMs. But it just – for someone who – rebuilt his reputation because it was he was very average at Michigan and for this to now come out I think it's really it's really interesting I think it's really telling to see where this is going to head because it's honestly I have no idea what's going to happen I don't think anyone knows this is very unique 
This I don't think this has ever happened before. I know someone said it's like Spygate, but that was that was in the NFL. That's completely different ball game. So I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, we were talking in the office a little bit earlier, Brooks, about you know I want to I want to get it defined with what all the accusations are again, and, and need to read more on it and that sort of thing because. On one hand, like if you just are looking, and I and I can put two together, two and two together. Again, I don't want to speak as something as fact because I don't know. I've not read the full report, but I can put two and two together and figure out this is probably not the case. But if you are just simply looking across the way, and you are seeing another team's signs, and you're looking at it and saying, "Oh." I've started to pick up on a pattern. Let me go from it. That's that's just being smart. Yeah. But if you're using technology or some other factor to steal signs, that's where obviously the huge issue becomes uh, becomes the forefront. Yeah. So I went and I was uh, I was doing some research here. I was looking at the the Yahoo Sports article from Ross Dellinger and Dan Wetzel, um, and. It's uh, so the the allegation uh, pertains to NCAA bylaw eleven point six point one, which reads off campus in person scouting of future opponents in the same season is prohibited. And so, I, what is what is being alleged here is Michigan sent guys to future opponents slash future potential college football playoff opponents to scout the teams in person, which is prohibited. And to record their, uh, you know, kind of what their signs are and, you know, kind of do that. It goes on in the article to say that the NCAA does not prohibit sign stealing except for when it comes to electronics. Um, I was, I'm trying to find the exact one. Sign stealing does not violate NCAA rules unless the team uses in-game electronic equipment to relay the information to players on the field or amongst coaches. Uh, the 2023 football rule book addresses sign stealing under section prohibited field equipment states that quote, any attempt to record either through audio or video means any signals given by an opposing player coach or other team personnel is prohibited. So, and then it says no corresponding penalty is listed for this in the, the rule book. So they don't have a set like, Hey, you violate this. This is what you're going to do. So it, it's again, that, that area where the NCAA could, uh, hand the stuff down. Do a lot of different things. But the the big, I think the big thing here is that Michigan is being uh, alleged, and opponents are alleging that Michigan staffers were at their games scouting them, which is prohibited by NCAA law. Okay. All right. Well, that uh, that provides some clarity for sure. Let's go to our orthopedic clinic phone line three three four. 887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you this afternoon? Doing good, guys. I mean, it, what comes to mind for me is Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, like literally just screaming out, like they're throwing it over there whenever Gus was here, and they're running to the left, like because he knew everything that we were going to do because Gus wouldn't adapt. And I mean, I, I, I think Damian Craig, when he was at FSU uh, in the in the championship game, were picking up on our signs. Uh, and some of the signals that Gus was calling in too is, is, is what I heard. But if you're not willing to adapt, and you still have to execute the plays. So, I, I, I mean, you go back to simple college football. I mean, they, you know, 49ers and, you know, when they were, were running a West Coast offense or whatever, they only had five plays, but nobody could stop them. So, but 
I think the best story that I ever heard was uh, when Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. He purposely had a, a graduate assistant like have a bunch of plays and drop the play sheet on the ground when they were playing <laughs> Oklahoma so that, that, that he purposely, like if they were running – if the play said they were running to the right, they had like a counter to if Oklahoma was lined up to stop that play, they had a, a different play and it worked for a minute, he said, uh, but it, but it didn't last the rest of the game. So they, 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 they figured out, but I, I thought that whole scheme that, that Mike Leach actually went that far to, to do that, to have a fake kind of playlist and have somebody drop it to see if, if Stoops was going to fall for it. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I believe I believe I recall that story. Uh, that, that that another one of the great Mike Leach stories for sure. Uh, you know, and again, I, I think that with the sign stealing again, it, what we're talking all talking about here is like if you're smart enough, or if the other team is dumb enough to uh, do something over the course of the game that is something that you can be picking up on. Then yeah, that's that's fair game. That's like baseball, a guy. Being able to well, before pitchcom now, I guess that's moving away from it now. But be able to look in the catcher from second base and figure out what he's throwing. Like if you can figure that out, that's fine. But I guess what we're looking at here with Michigan is the potential that they uh, either use electronics or they went sent scouts to other teams' games and practices to then go learn the signs from that, and that's where the violation would have occurred. We'll see how it. You know, I, I don't think they're too fond of our ball, so I'm curious of what the NCAA may actually do. But, I mean, think about tonight, like today's, like, every, everything going on with technology, like how Alabama kind of kept everything under wraps about the wishbone. And, you know, they probably wouldn't be able to get away with something like that now and keep it under wraps without somebody leaking it or, you know, but – the Mike Leach story just came to mind. I was going to share that. Guys, I appreciate the time. Absolutely, Michael. We appreciate that phone call. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, no, I I certainly um, – there's always great Leach stories. I, I certainly think that in this day of technology, Michael's right. I mean, at any time you could be recorded, at any time – like I, I can't – I can't – operate in this space very often because it gets to be too dark of a thought for me and it gets to be a little too concerning but in this technological world it's very hard to be truly private Mm. and it's very hard to be actually secretive and keep things away from others if others truly want that information and, and, and want it badly enough and it, it, the 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 cynical mind could go to well a lot because I, I certainly think this way about recruiting and I think it's becoming less and less of a secret that there are a lot of dark and and really not good things that happen in the recruiting recruiting process that we just kind of let slide by but also if you wanted to go to this how can you prove like like here I am. And if I make a connection with Auburn football. What's to say I don't go to an Alabama-Tennessee game this weekend and the crowd say, hey, I'm visiting my buddy and with my buddy, but I'm just staring the whole time. I'm just watching that Bama sideline. And all my only, my only focus, I'm, I'm weirdly not reacting to the game. I'm just watching the other, the other sideline. And then I'm taking notes. Hey, well, when they put that picture on the board, 
They did play action. It wasn't a run. And, and just, just doing that time and time again. You, like, if you really wanted to do that, mm. you could. And I'm not. Tr- I'm, I have no idea. This is. I'm not. Be, be clear. I'm not speculating if if this is yeah. a thing that actually goes on with many schools or not. But if your brain wanted to be very cynical and wanted to be very pessimistic, you could go down a lot of rabbit holes that lead you to a lot mm-hmm. of wrongdoing. And I will just leave it at that. And you know, uh, I, I think a lot of college football coaches probably think in the same way you do. Uh, just now uh and it's a thing in college football that you that throughout the year they will change play calls like play call signals and stuff to to prevent that from happening i'll tell you what when i was you know i've said on the show before you know worked in the film department for auburn football for a little bit um and specifically under gus malzahn we were told when we would film games do not get the other sideline in your footage because if you're if the other sideline is in your footage they could come back and say you were filming our signals and then get you, try to get you in trouble. We were told if if you have to, uh, you know, try if you have to get part of that sideline, try to keep it from like you can see people's knees and down or waist and down. Try to keep that. Don't get people's upper bodies. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, when some of these teams with split wide receivers way out to the other side, it's hard. <laughs> it, it's hard when you're getting that all twenty two shot in to to keep that whole sideline out. But we, in, at least in that in that film room, we were we were taught and told uh, when we were filming that all twenty two shot. To uh, to not get that, try to keep as much of that po- opposing sideline and a speci- and also your own sideline. Try to keep both sidelines out of it, but uh, try to keep that other sideline out so that you could not be accused of trying to record signs. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And like you said, I I texted my friend this. I said I bet I, I don't have any evidence about this, but I imagine. There's a good amount of Power 5 teams that do the very same thing. They just haven't been caught. So I think uh, that's a really interesting story, Brooks. I didn't know that, but that, that does make a lot of sense. I'm happy that at least they have someone. or They, they had y'all <laughs> They had y'all on the know. But, uh, yeah, I think it's um, – I don't know what the punishment's going to be for Michigan and them. And someone I, uh, mentioned that they don't seem to really be fond of Harbaugh, uh, but – Especially whenever you lie to the NCA in an investigation, which is oh, why yeah. he was suspended. Yeah, so, you know the NCA RA is um, not very fond of many living human beings. But whenever you whenever you lie to them, then you really paint the target on your own back. So I think it could be a pretty stern punishment there. But I guess it's just the world that we live in. But there's going to be different measures to go into. I'm sure now this is raising a lot of coaches who are already paranoid enough. It's going to raise a lot of coaches' red flags to be like, oh, now I need to change mine. Oh, what if they have mine? What if they have mine? And you know what? Probably right thinking. They probably, you know, that's probably good thinking. But, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be uh, a really interesting story to follow. Especially when you, when you, you know, an NCAA that what it appears on the outside to be grasping for power. With, especially in the football yeah. world, and NCAA that's grasping for power and trying to stay relevant, you're you know you're going to see a lot more of this. The harsher punishments come down because they're they're trying to say, guys, we're still in charge here. You guys are not in charge of things. We're still running the show. Well, it, it checks all the boxes for a perfect storm of them maybe wanting to actually put a nail down because look, there is the sentiment out there, big programs. Uh, in college basketball or in college football, can avoid the limelight and the NCAA will look the other way. 
and that as long as you don't just flaunt something or make something painfully obvious, you'll be all right. But here's why the boxes are checked to where Michigan, if they are found to have done this and done this at a high high rate, why they could be struck hard is that they have already done something to have to get the NCAA involved recently. Okay, they are coming at this time where you mentioned Brooks, where the NCAA is thought to be a little toothless at the moment and a little useless. And there's also the box to check where this is something very abnormal. This is not a recruiting violation that you could probably get every school for. I know the cynic in me says that maybe other schools do this. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I have no way of proving that whatsoever. But this is certainly not something that gets brought to the NCAA's attention every day. There's recruiting violations that, that happen all the time, and those will come to the limelight from time to time. People put frosting on cookie cakes that shouldn't be there. <laughs> but uh, but this is something that is not as normal. And if I was Michigan, I would be nervous about there not being a sort of precedent in the rule book for what the penalty is, because that means, yes, you could say you could get off easy, or the penalty could be limitless. <laughs> so we, we've got to see what they actually did. They find wrongdoing and that sort of thing. But a potentially concerning situation for Michigan football, again, like I said, as they finally last couple years got back to where they want to be, and uh, now they have another dark cloud that they have potentially brought on themselves. One final time out here in the Thursday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, one last old Auburn Ole Miss thought from TP before he gets out here for the week. And we'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Sports Call right after this timeout. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. minutes of sports gone today on this Thursday. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, TP Hammock with you here on this Thursday. About five minutes or left, uh, five minutes or so left of the program today. Uh, we'll get Brooks's thoughts on Auburn Ole Miss a little bit more tomorrow. He'll be with us for the first half of the program or so before he goes out to Beauregard High School, uh, which of course you can hear tomorrow after the show. Uh, so TP, turn to you. Final thoughts on Auburn Ole Miss this weekend. I think the line the line's still at six and a half on last check. Uh, that's apt to move throughout the day, but six and a half. So what do you think about uh, that part of it and what ultimately happens on Saturday night? 
So I think this will be the Quinshawn Judkins game. That's what I was thinking whenever I was driving over here. I said, as someone who's from the Montgomery area and knows about, it's pretty publicly known that he wanted to come to Auburn, but Brian Harson did not want him to come to Auburn. I think this is going to be a really big game for him. It's going to be emotional. He's injured in hair. I think it's going to be – I don't know if it'll be as bad as last week because I was really bad. And like I said, I do expect Auburn to look better after getting punched in the mouth because I think Hugh is going to I think it's probably been a pretty hard week of practice but I think they're really going to want this win but at the end of the day I think Ole Miss is just better and you know what that's fine Lane Kiffin's built this program they're they're farther along and that's okay so I'm going with a final score of 38 to 24 in favor of the Rebels that is a uh, very very solid score there yeah I think um it is tough to figure out again the variables of how much different one week to the next you look just by going home because I I feel that when you are a weaker team and Auburn is this year that even makes it more drastic it feels like the the importance of being home versus road um, you try to do transit properties and they just don't add up in football we know that and some of the silly transit properties you'd be looking at and saying, oh, well, I guess LSU would beat Georgia by more than 20 points <laughs> based off how those two results went. It's like, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think that the point is, too, and you mentioned it there, is it's year four of something versus year one of something, right? And ultimately, Auburn needs to be a better program than Ole Miss. They have for the vast majority of history – and they should always expect to be, to be honest with you. But when you have had to rebuild things and you're in year one of something that needed to be vastly rebuilt versus someone that's in year four that's done a truly good job, you're not there yet. And so I, I, I kind of agree with uh, with a lot of what you said there. I'll have the my final prediction and stuff tomorrow with the show, but certainly understand that line of thinking final couple minutes of the program for the day time for a nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide sports calls nightly tv guide presented by white claw hard seltzer brooks what do we have well your movie picks for the evening one movie pick for you tonight last night we had star uh, rogue one a star wars story on the nightly tv guide tonight it's Star Wars The Force Awakens, 7 o'clock on FX. So kind of continuing the Star Wars trend here in October. Sports picks for you this evening. We've got some football on for you tonight. College football to be specific, 6 o'clock on ESPN. The uh, One of the few undefeated teams left in the country, but they don't qualify for a bowl game. James Madison is 6-0. and They head to the mountains of West Virginia to take on the Marshall Thunder and Herd at 4-2. and uh, I saw this, uh, this thing the other day where Marshall, not Marshall, what James Madison and Jacksonville State, both six wins now. Both of them are not eligible for bowl games this year. They need to go play, play a regular Hawaii. season game in yep. Hawaii yep. the day after the Army game. So technically it's a postseason game, but it's the last day of permissible regular season games yep. too. Uh, also 6 o'clock on ESPN2, 3-3. Three and three. Rice takes on 3-3. and three. Tulsa in a mid-off in the American Conference. Uh, then on 6.30 on ESPNU, uh, some HBCU football as North Carolina Central sitting at 5-1 on the year visit Morgan State, who was a meek 1-4 uh, 
so far on the year. Also tonight at 7 o'clock on FS1, Game 4 of the ALCS between the Astros and Rangers. Can the Rangers take a 3-1 to one series lead, or will the Astros even things up tonight? And, of course, cap your night off at 9.30 on the ice on ESPN as the Chicago Blackhawks head west to take on the Colorado Avalanche. And that is your Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks, and thank you for being here this afternoon. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll be here. And T.P. Hammock, thank you for being here today. I hope that you have a great time in Columbus, Ohio this weekend watching a huge football game, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Yes, and uh, by the time I land, I'll be having y'all on the sports call. Uh, I'll be listening to y'all on the Tiger Communications app. Excellent. Great company man right there. (laughs) And that will do it for the program for today as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for tp hammock and brooks childress my name is ryan lavoy have a great thursday night and we'll talk to you again tomorrow